0: Wow, that's a good song. Dumb. The drums are super catchy. Yeah, but you fucking sing it. You're singing it. You right know.
1: it. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and well that's pretty much it. So uh let's go! <laughs>
0: This is Asinine Radio. This is a uh, this is a good one. This is uh, where I'm going to try to convince Jeff into becoming a Nirvana man, and um, and we'll go from there. Uh, but my d- my name is Tyler, and way out there in the ether, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. <laughs> and um, so yeah, like I said, uh, we're going to be getting to the Nirvana album "In Utero." Uh, <laughs> did I already say that? Do I hear some fun real quick?
1: What? <laughs> so like, just as you were talking, you said ether again. I was like, I wonder what other words you could use. Like So I typed in ether <laughs> synonyms on um, Google. Yeah. But I typed in ether and then S and then I actually clicked U. And so it clicked or it it, it, it did like uh, ether Sunday. And I was like, what the hell is ether Sunday? And then, like, oh, it's like Mike Tyson trying to say Easter, like ether Sunday. <laughs> 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 that, was good. that was good. I thought you should, oh, that should enjoy really that sad. one.
0: That was really ridiculous and stupid. Either,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Dear. We're, I'm yes, the ether,
2: we're
0: we're Asinine Radio. We're the number one music podcast. Thank you all for listening. Go to iTunes, go rate review and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And now we can get into the to the episode. Um, what we like to do now, or re- more recently, is we'd like to listen to a band and their entire discography and then we rank their albums and give you our favorite songs from each album and we might fight about it i don't know but jeff who has never heard nirvana's discography this is all brand new to him and um so i'm i'm very interested in where this is going to go so as usual we're going to be doing their three main albums so we're so in utero or bleach never mind and in utero but we're also adding incesticide as well as the mtv Unplugged performance because those are to me, are just as significant as their main albums, and they should be talked about, and they are talked about. Um, so let's start. We're doing five albums today. Uh, let's start with our worst. And uh, Jeff, take it away.
1: We did incorporate a couple albums that are not albums, just to preface my rankings with that. Yes. So this this is uh this is their worst album.
2: Oh. This is oh. their worst. Oh god. But bullet. Bullet.
1: Still wasn't bad. By okay. none of these I would probably give I don't even know if I want to give you that. Give me what? Cuz if I say what my minimum ranking would be then you could
3: kind of
0: What are they all perfect or something? No.
1: No, no.
3: no. Okay,
1: their worst, my, my lowest ranked, their their least
0: best is uh
1: okay. in, insectus in, Incesticide Incesticide Insecticide Mm -hmm. Incesticide
0: Wow I'm surprised it was that low
1: Fucking A See What what this What this album lacked Was like Cohesion for me Because it wasn't Like an album And so there wasn't There was There were songs on this That were Some of their best Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But there was also Just some very Lackluster material Some stuff that was just I'm bored of it I wouldn't probably Change it If it came on the radio Or a playlist or anything but it was it was it was it was okay. But um, sliver that was that was my favorite one from from this one. I that Biggest sounds banger. a fucking banger through and through.
0: It is truly, truly a banger. It started Top
1: off kind of Toronto. weird and poppy, and I was I just thought like ah, oh, this gonna be more like Nir- or never Nevermind shit style, but <laughs> it came in hard. Yeah, it a does. lot harder than I expected. And, and, and their
0: live versions of it are even better than the recorded version i feel
1: but the uh the sped up poly deserves some some recognition too
0: that one's really cool too the drumming on that's really good i yeah. think dave Grohl played drums on that one because incesticide has like three different drummers um but yeah no incesticide great record man but it sucks that it's at the bottom it's unfortunate very unfortunate
1: again i mean this it wasn't bad though Like like if we did this as our album of the week it would still get probably just Real quickly, probably like a two,
0: two two five. Oh, so now you're spoiling things. Well, now I, don't, I know I what don't want to.
1: I don't want to diminish the the work on on insecticide here, insecticide. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it makes sense. It makes sense. All right. Well, my number five, my uh, my least my least best, still an amazing record. I love this thing to death, and oh my god, it was the thing that got me into Nirvana, and that's never mind. It's my least best. Um, Dang. And my favorite song is Lounge Act. I think that song is just, is the standout song on it, along with, like, Stay Away is another one. Breed is another great one. Drain You also. Oh, my God. There's so many fucking
3: my
4: songs on
0: I, like I Drain yeah. You a lot, too. That's a great one. So, yeah, Nevermind's my least best. This is the one that got me into Nirvana. Um, but when I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, you know, of course. It's everyone's first real... Dive into Nirvana, but um, but yeah. So that's my f- number five. Never, Nevermind. That's I'm crazy. You're such I'm a
1: cuck. Fucking ner- dude, never you've mind. been such
0: a hater of Nevermind for decades. I acknowledge it is a good
1: it? pop rock album. Absolutely, I've always said that.
0: I love the record to death. I do. I love it. to Except
1: death. it's their worst.
0: But that's it's their least best. What would you, by far not what, bad.
1: What would you rate Nevermind as? Like on the the, the scale, it was real quick. Of what? Off the cuff. Uh, is it a perfect album? Is it a three? Oh, I'm not telling you. Oh damn! And you're probably getting all threes. I'm not telling you what my ratings are. <laughs> Number four I'm not gonna, for me. Spoiler: Their second least best is Bleach. Okay. Uh, this is the one we were originally going to do as our album of the week. Um, I liked it. It was it was super raw. It was it was kind of like unfiltered. It was it was a debut album from a band that. Knew they wanted to do things, but didn't quite know how to put it down on paper quite yet. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just—it seemed like a like they had so much potential already, and it was just an unrefined craft. But damn, it was still good. Mm-hmm. So like this one, like through and through, was better than and in, in the in, f- insecticide, Incesticide. Incesticide.
0: because it's like a cohesive album,
1: right? But. I think about a girl is still my favorite. I like like, that's always been like my favorite Nirvana song. And it's much like all apologies that we'll get into later on. I think about a girl is, is just, it's very like representative of the band throughout the years. Mm,
2: I guess. But
1: like in the beginning and especially off of bleach, like bleach, like what the fuck? How do you put like about a girl Mm -hmm. on an album like bleach? It's just, it's bizarre and it doesn't fit, but like that's, that's who Nirvana was. That's what they did. That's what they did best.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But also Buzz, that was also really, really good. Love Buzz. fantastic oh, yeah. bass line baseline.
0: Yeah, that's a cover though. I is think it? it's a I think it's a Meat Puppets cover. I know it's a cover for sure, but I can't remember who it's by off the top of my head. But yeah, Love Buzz is the is the only cover on the record. But yeah, I love that baseline too. It's great. Does that make you hate it a little a little bit more? No, because
1: um, I mean a lot of their songs are, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot of their songs, but a lot of songs that I like, especially later on in their albums, recovers if you call it an album.
0: Fucking guy. All right, my number four uh, is is also Bleach. I mean, this is, like you said, for a debut record, this is like one of the things, the best things that you could put out. Um, and it, it only cost them 600 bucks to make. I think they did it in less than a week. And, uh, and that's Bleach. It was with Chad Channing on drums before Dave joined the band after Kurt pretty much fired him. Um, was he ever yeah.
1: really a member, though? Didn't he say that they never actually said, yes, you're in? He just
0: he just constantly played with them. Who, Dave or Chad? Chad. I mean, as far as I know, Chad is. And he was inducted into the Hall of Fame with, with the rest of the band when th- was that like three years ago the rock and roll hall of fame when nirvana was inducted yeah chad was inducted and then so was um oh my god i can't not dave jordan who's the other i can't off the top of my head i can't remember his name but the other drummer as well they were both inducted into the hall of fame with them with nirvana pat smear was as well but yeah so bleach is my number four uh biggest banger on this one has to be mr mustache this is the first song i heard off of bleach um i think i downloaded it off of napster and um, just because of how stupid the name was, and then I went out, went out and bought this record at the warehouse with Kyle Palo. Oh, Kyle Palo and I used to go to the warehouse a lot because he lived right above it. So whenever I go over there, we go down to the warehouse.
1: Oh, that's right. He lived right up the, the hill, right?
0: Yeah, right. Literally, like right above it. Nice. So yeah, that's 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 bleach number four for me. What do you got for number three?
1: Uh, number three, their third best is Nevermind. <laughs>
0: Still higher though, than I thought it'd be for you.
1: Even though I i i talk so much shit on this i don't hate this record I, the only song i i i feel embarrassed uh, about is smells like teen spirit i just that song is just so overplayed and it's so but it's still know, great it's, so, it's it's okay it's,
0: it's a it's right. i understand it's a little bit embarrassing listening to it when people are around but when you're by yourself and you hear that you're like wow dude that riff is so stupid but it it's so good with those Chicka Chickas and everything. It's like, oh. it's a Chicka Chicka Wonderland, <laughs> and yet you can't get into it for some reason when you're all about the Chicka Chickas.
1: This this album is like half, maybe like forty percent grunge and then like sixty percent bubblegum rock. But yeah. the melodies are just they're 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 fucking strong. They are they are there. The instrumentation is very very strong. The songs, I mean, for better or worse, they're they're everlasting, and this mm-hmm. is. This is like my favorite part of this album is is Dave Grohl. His oh, he's the best part. Yeah, I, I think it's like the best thing Dave Grohl has ever done in his life. Yes, it's I agree. Un fucking believable. And when I first like bought my drum set and I wanted to play a bunch of Nirvana songs, I just thought like, oh yeah, I'll throw Nevermind because those songs are really basic and easy. I'll I'll play a bunch of them.
2: Yeah, good luck. As
1: soon as as soon as Smells Like Teen Spirit <laughs> happened in the intro and Dave Grohl comes in, I instantly realized that. I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all like the little nuanced things he does. They're like, I don't know why he can't translate that into the Foo Fighters because it's so good.
2: Yeah, I know. It's, it's like
1: better
0: than good. It's, it, it's remarkable. Like one of the best
1: drummers of all time good.
0: I, that's what I've been saying since I was a kid. That's crazy. This, never mind was the reason why I got into like drumming and why I've loved drummers so much or the drumming and music so much is because of Dave Grohl on this record. this this changed everything musically for me this changed everything on the when it came to the drums and then like joey jordison later and so on so forth but yeah this is what really got me into it because his drumming is just it's not even i mean yeah technically it's it's really it's good but it's more the the songwriting aspect of it like the way him and kurt the way he plays to kurt's voice is just not a lot of drummers can do that you know and he just he's remarkable on that record. Truly. Absolutely remarkable. But yeah, that's way higher than I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good album. It's, it it's is. A, it's a good pop rock album. But um, Territori- <laughs> Territorial Pissings was my new favorite song. I'm surprised. Uh, it's just kind of weird. It's fast. It just sounds like them having fun and playing stuff they want to play like they did in Bleach. It just sounds like they're having a good time and everything about it is just really weird and wonky and to be on Nevermind, such an iconic album for all time, is, is really fun. And I feel like that's like a deep cut mm-hmm. on that album.
0: It's it's the outlier on that record for sure.
1: But also really, really like Drain You, specifically the way he sings, especially like in the very beginning. Just he mm-hmm. just comes in really hard with them one baby to another and it's oh it's so good.
0: It's very, very good. Territorial Pissing's cool too because that that was one where they uh they actually they didn't really use any effects. They just plugged his guitar straight into the board, and he just played like they didn't. There wasn't any really overdubs or anything. It was just them. There was the most raw moment on that record was territorial Piscines. Probably the can only it, raw moment on that record. The only yeah true. And even then, it's compared. It's polished compared to what they did on a utero. So, but still solid solid output. Okay. Uh, my number three is uh, is unplugged. Is the unplugged the MTV unplugged in nineteen ninety three was or ninety four? I don't remember where year. But um, I mean, it, it's really cool that they they didn't they didn't play like the heavy songs and made them acoustic. They they did their acoustic songs. They played covers that that they wanted to play by artists that they truly admired and loved, from David Bowie to the Meat Puppets. Like they just it was really really cool. It was a really really cool performance. And it's iconic. I mean, everyone knows this. And everyone knows these covers. Some people know these covers better than the originals. Like, honestly, I know Lake of Fire. M- I know the Nirvana version of that more than I know. Or not Lake of Fire, but um, uh, Man Who Destroyed the World. I know that version more than I know the David Bowie version. Same. So it's, it's truly, truly an amazing, amazing live record. Mm. Um, and it had to be thrown into our list because it's that iconic. But uh, my favorite of this is Lake of Fire. There's no bad song on this, but Lake of Fire is my favorite. And what I like, the whole story behind it was that, because it's a Meat Puppet song as far as I know, and Kurt didn't feel comfortable playing the guitar and singing it because he just felt like he wouldn't do it justice. So they literally had a couple of the guys from the Meat Puppets come out, and they <laughs> played the guitar, and, um, and Kurt just sang it because he, he wanted to only focus on the vocals and the lyrics and really get that emotion, he felt that he could only do by not playing the guitar along with it, and I thought that was really cool. So, that's it. That's Lake of Fire for me on that record. Okay. What do you got for number two?
1: Number two for me is Unplugged. When when I watched Posty do his Nirvana thing, it, it it, it really got me thinking, like, I wonder if Nirvana was that fun, and they were. Yeah. Like Throughout their entire career they kind of were that fun And, and that whole series demeanor And that whole angsty thing was, was almost like a front Because They put it on for people like me Who, who didn't really listen to Nirvana Who only knew a couple songs They put that, that front on so I would stay away And I did for a long time But when you get down, when you get down Deep into them when, when, you, when, you un, when you open the book of Nirvana They're a really fun band yeah. My biggest complaint when something is unplugged or acoustic is that it's really not unplugged. It, it's it's not. There's still like electric guitars. There's still like, I, there doesn't need to be drumming. There. You don't need to have the drummer there. But it's I, an acoustic I, drum set. So it's I like still acoustic. I, I mean, isn't it like all drum sets kind of acoustic unless mm-hmm. it's you plug it in electric. But exactly. like the whole point of being like acoustic is, is you want to change the song not only like its meaning but the sound of it. You wanna you want to change it to, to either be softer or whatever you want to do, but it, the song needed to be changed. But this wasn't really like like a full on acoustic thing, but they still achieved that. They still changed the songs. Yeah. I, I listened to a lot of Nirvana this week. And every song that they sang on this on this on this set, like, it was changed somehow. Either the feeling was was changed or, or like the meaning almost was changed. And and it was, it was impressive. Like it was, it was exactly what I wanted from an acoustic set that wasn't even acoustic. Mm. So I don't know what the fuck I want anymore.
0: Even even all apologies, A generally, acoustic song sounded different on this live version than it does on the record. They were able to to create this whole dynamic that was weirdly different. I don't, I I can't explain it either.
1: That was one of the songs that I thought was changed. In a way that was uncomfortable. Because, In what way, though? So, like my, my favorite my favorite song that they did it was Plateau, and I, mm-hmm. th- that's oh, not their right. song. That's a great song, but do Kurt sing so shitty? No, oh, yeah, it, he's awful. But that's but, not the point. But it's super shitty. Like it's it's bad. Like he sings terrible, and it's almost like it's on purpose. And the whole song just sounds like he just learned how to play that song, and he wants to show like his friends how to that like, he that like, he has <laughs> learned something. Like yeah. it's so bad, but it's so, it's so like innocent, and so childless, and so earnest, and like like that's that's what that's what you want to hear from like an acoustic thing, from an from an unplugged set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the but like that weird deafening silence in all apologies when he screams married. Oh, that part's
0: so
2: good.
1: And it's like it's a little bit drawn out, and like the band Mm -hmm. kind of like doesn't even know what the fuck they like. Is he going to say it again? (laughs) Do we play again? Like, what do we do? Like, nobody knows what's going on. And I feel like not even like Kurt, like he just he's drawing it out, and I I think he doesn't even like understand why he's doing it. He just he's just doing it because it's probably just in the moment, or I think he's just in the moment too. But like that it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's weird, but that's when we're at like our most vulnerable is in those times. And I think Kurt just laid it all out there. It was done. Yep. And it was just absolutely perfect.
0: Did you watch the performance too?
1: No. I, I mean, I watched like snippets of it, but I didn't watch yeah. the full performance. No. Ah,
0: man, you should have watched it. It adds a lot more, a lot more depth to the entire, to the entire thing. Cause you could see the other guys playing. You could see the guys from the meat puppets play and, Like, I don't know, it's just, it's a different experience when you watch it too. Like maybe if you, if you do decide to get more into Nirvana and more into this kind of stuff, you should check out, you should watch the video. I think it's like 50 minutes or something like that, but it's, it's worth watching. Definitely.
1: But it's only on YouTube. I mean, actually maybe I'll buy the DVD. Oh no, I hate YouTube. I don't like watching anything on YouTube.
0: But it's a video. It's not like it's a song. You're not listening to the, just the audio. I just don't like YouTube, Tyler. No, I, I, so stu- I can't do it. You watch YouTube it. all the time. What are you talking about? I don't watch YouTube all the time. The you only do time I watch ever it watch all YouTube time. Is when you post like videos on the. Why notes. Why are you so against YouTube? You use Facebook, so why okay. Why can't you use YouTube? It's owned by the same company.
1: Actually, I only use Facebook for pretty much like two things. One is just to spite people, and two is just to for your. But poems.
0: you But you still use it for. There's a reason why you use it, and you still use it. I hate so why are you so against YouTube? I don't understand. it. Hate YouTube as well. Hate them. You're, just, you're so dumb. You make no hate sense. Hate them. I'm gonna order no the. Sense.
1: I'm gonna order the DVD off Amazon. You should
0: order the Blu-ray too.
1: I'm much. I'm, I'm much more one. likely to watch it if I were, if I buy the DVD.
0: You're so weird. You're so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Just saying. Uh well, my number two um, is uh, it's Incesticide. This has always been one of my favorite records from from Nirvana, but I don't know, man. A lot of my rankings changed this week, and I, I was very, very surprised after listening to, to all of these records hundreds of times, like literally hundreds of times. Uh, it did change this week, but Incesticide, it dropped down to number two, and my favorite song is Sliver. It's my second favorite Nirvana song. Um, I love it, uh, but like you said, it, it's a little bit disjointed because... You know, all the songs were recorded in different areas at different times by with different drummers on some of them. And so it's a very disjointed record. But overall, the songs individually are I mean, there's not a bad song on Incesticide. They're all good. Like some notable shout outs. Mexican Seafoods a really good one. Aero Zeppelin is another good one. Um, They're just some solid, solid stuff on here. Oh, the poly punk version is also really good. Yeah, so that's my number two, Incesticide.
1: I can't believe our our number one. I I thought for sure Bleach was giving you your number one.
0: No, no, come on, dude. I'm not that much of a a predictable person, you know? Mm, mm. I'm not. Well, that leads us to our album, and uh, we're getting into Nirvana and their album In Utero. formed in Aberdeen, Washington in 1987 by Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic They put out three full-length albums two EPs, four compilations five live albums and three box sets and have sold well over 75 million copies worldwide But the one we're doing today is in utero It's the band's third album and it was released September 21st, 1993 It features Kurt Cobain on guitar and vocals, Chris Novoselic on bass and Dave Grohl on drums it's not their most successful album, but it has managed to sell over well over fifteen million copies worldwide. And Jeff what do you got? What are your first impressions <laughs> on Nirvana and on this album? Because it's shocking that this is you even like this record. Truly shocking. <laughs>
1: my my first impressions of Nirvana stem back to to MTV days and, and smells like Teen Spirit and even then. Like, I, n- I never, I just never like that song. And even when I first started playing guitar, like, I, I don't think I even still could play this song. I, I don't know it's that song. It's the easiest song. It's But I don't, records. I've never learned how to play it because I don't like it. And so I feel like there's three songs you would probably play if you go to Guitar Center, like Deep Purple, mm-hmm. uh, Smoke on the Water, yeah. Iron Man, or fucking Smells Like Teen Spirit. Correct. And then we get a little better, you probably go into stairway. But <laughs> I, I just, I've, I never liked that song, and I just thought it was so cheesy and so dumb. And so, throughout my 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 years on this earth, I I've always just considered Nirvana to be Nevermind, and Nirvana was a band that did Nevermind, and all of my opinions about them stemmed from that, from one not song, fact,
0: yeah, from one song that yeah. you're completely wrong about.
1: Well, I mean, I've I've listened to Nevermind in its entirety multiple times. We've done it on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. But with the new format of listening to all of a band's discography, I think it helps because you can see where a band came from and then where they went eventually. And to say that Nirvana is Nevermind is is like, I can't even make a comparison to that right now. You can't do that. It's not fair. I I can't like I can't I can't think of anything in my mind like that, so listening to Nirvana again this week, and listening to all of the stuff they've done. It started off with Bleach, and then we went to Nevermind, and then incest, Incesticide, mm-hmm. and then In Utero, and then Unplugged, right?
3: Yeah,
0: that was the order we did.
1: Okay, and then we originally we were gonna do Bleach, because you you thought that maybe it was the most it would it would draw me in more because i like yeah. that post malone thing so much mm-hmm. and so i was all bored with bleach and and in utero hit and i was i just thought like this this is nirvana this is the everything sound everything he wanted it, it, is, it is like in utero was everything that i liked about nirvana just not cheesy
2: yeah correct
1: just not cheesy and i mean i guess that was my first impression
2: <laughs> it's
0: great It's crazy I mean you've hated Nirvana Up until probably three weeks ago You've hated them You've constantly criticized me for saying That they're so great And that Kurt Cobain's great Because he is great But then for some reason Post Malone He's hes the man that changed you For some reason that, uh, It's astonishing But He, he changed me f- for the
1: reason that Even though his Even though his his personal music Is Shit. I think at times can be Good. No. But for the most part it's just it's just it, it's it's run of the mill bullshit hip hop of the two thousand tens. It's just not it's nothing special. But what I like about Posty is he just sound he just he seems like a cool dude that just likes to hang out with his friends and make music. And play music, I should say. Yeah. He likes to play music and that whole thing minus Travis Barker. I was just gonna say that. Like didn't you wanna be there hanging out with him? Just like watching or drinking or whatever. Like it just mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was so personal between you and Posty, and yeah. one thing that I realized that Kurt does really well is he makes all he, the way he writes songs, the way he plays them, the way he sings them, it's very personal. It's very, it's almost like he's Kurt wrote all these songs just for me, and every time yeah. I listen to Nirvana, it's just like, dude, he's singing to me personally, and Wow. It's, so, it's fucking weird. It's, it's so ast-
0: weird. It's astonishing you've had this much, this much of a connection with him, considering you know. We're 33 years old and you're just now, I just, it's so weird. It, It's the same kind of connection I had with the band and with Kurt Cobain when I was a kid, but it's just interesting seeing how you're having the same reaction nowadays. Super weird.
1: I mean, it's probably even more weird because now I have a little bit more like, I guess a little bit, but a little bit more objectivity with it. And so I can kind of, barely. I can, I can kind of sit back and, and not be blinded by the nostalgia because for me, when Nirvana has zero nostalgia, yeah, never listen to this band.
0: And so like,
1: to actually say that it's... Like, you've been hurt. friends
0: for 20 years and you've never <laughs> you've never listened to them. It's its astonishing. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've put on
1: any Nirvana song.
0: Yeah, and I've never put it on around you because I'm like, oh, you're just going to talk shit. So what's the point? It's Not going to enjoy
1: it. It's just one of those things that I... I miss the boat at some point. And then the people that I knew that liked Nirvana, it was always Nevermind. Not for me. I, but you were you like
0: stupid music anyway, though. I've been an advocate for Nevermind, but it's never been my favorite.
1: Yeah, but you like Frankenstein Queens from Planet oh, 45. Oh, you like that record, and... too. Don't,
0: don't, act, don't act stupid. You like that record, too. You know it was fun.
1: <clears throat> I
0: had a good time doing it, yes. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good record. Yeah you put you put some of the songs on playlists. i know you did so Two. i win you lose uh first impressions for me i uh, the first thing i ever heard was teen spirit and it was like the one i mean i'd heard it prior but i think it was like 7th grade i heard it on k rock and then i realized wow this is probably the greatest song I've ever written better than got the life which i of course was wrong Damn. um and, and that thought sorry.
1: alone like kept me away from nirvana for decades <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then i immediately i was like I, I convinced my parents to take me to best buy because that's where i bought cds at the time so i went to best buy God, got never mind i fucking listened to this record like i probably listened to this record at least a thousand times at least a thousand times it's just it, it just, just stuck with me uh, with that that album stuck with me along with everything else and then eventually i got the rest of the records but in utero was the last one i got i even got unplugged before i got in utero um and it and not never hit as hard as the other records did until probably the last couple of years, and uh, but especially now this week, listening to it and reading more into the lyrics, it's definitely their it's their best record. It's it's astonishing and everything behind it, the production of it and the surroundings of it and his and Kurt's headspace in it. It's just it's easily their their best record without a doubt. So. That that's that's me. That's in utero. That's no. That's me. me. Twenty years in the making. But then, like I said before, I, quickly, I realized Teen Spirit's not as not that great of a song, after hearing everything else on Nevermind and everything else before and after that record. It's still an amazing song though. I love that song. To death. it's great. But anyway, what do we got? We got. Do you have any stinkers on In Utero? No, no. no? Okay, good. I'm. Glad. In fact, because I'd be stupid if you'd had.
1: I, I mean given that the this album ends for all intents and purposes this album ends at all apologies everything yeah. oh, after yeah. that are just kind of bonus tracks but um, I have no stinkers I have two songs that I thought were kind of okay mm-hmm. but everything else was a banger
0: okay well I got no stinkers either obviously um, so let's start with your with your bangers What do you, what's your number one banger on this
1: um well, I mean, we've already we've already played all apologies. We don't have to play it again.
0: We could play again. I don't care. I'm just um,
1: kidding. So we can. I mean, we can we can talk about that one. But um, dumb, dumb has always been kind of uh, a song for me that was good. And for a long time, I thought dumb was on Nevermind, because it sounds like it would be on Nevermind. No,
0: it doesn't. Dumb sounds like it. So,
1: yeah. Dumb, dumb. It's, it's a very it's a dumb song. It,
0: well, it is. That's the whole point of the song, uh, yes, lyrically and, and but musically. That's,
1: that's why it, sh- it, sh- it sounded like it could have been on Nevermind. But um, I, I mean, the, the the like the the big songs, Heart Shaped Box, Rape Me, Dumb. Those songs were always songs that I knew. I think new bangers because old money bangers and the new money bangers. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So the, like those are all old money bangers. Everybody knows those songs. You might not even know that they're on this album. Like I didn't. Yeah. But I think New Money Bangers is pretty much every other song, except for I don't know if you're gonna hate me, but Penny Penny Royalty oh, Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. I think both mm. of those songs are okay.
0: Just okay, really?
1: Yeah, just okay. Penny huh? Royalty almost almost got me into the banger realm. But um, it, it just it was okay. But okay. let's go back to all apologies because I want to I want to get that one done first because I have a lot to say about that one and okay. then we can move forward. Let's do it. Go. So ob- 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 Obvi, that's a banger. Yes. Um, not only is it a banger, but it's it's it kind of similar to what I think about about a girl. This kind of like this this sounds this song has all of the sounds Nirvana has ever done in one song. Everything that's good about them, everything that people don't like about them, it's all into one song.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's perfect. It's a fucking perfect song. And it's it is catchy.
0: It builds ev- really well too. To,
1: to even like add just more on top of it. It's it's actually a very, very catchy song. And I, I like I I like that Kurt uses like the all apology thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like to me, as sort of like a fuck you to everybody. To say that he's not apologizing for anything that he's ever done, for anything that he feels, for anything that he writes. He's not apologizing for it. But he says all apologies in this weird, like sarcastic, fucky way.
2: Yeah.
0: And
1: damn, it's so good. It's so it's so snotty and it's so childish, but
0: But he's so sick of how the band's been treated and how fucked up everybody around him is, you know, in the music industry. He has such a big, huge Dude, you problem like, with the music industry, and rightfully so. But,
1: so, like, th- there's I have so many thoughts on on Nirvana and and the band and this album. Like, you got to moderate this one because I'm going to go off the rails in different areas. No, it's fine.
0: Like, you, so, you like, can, Steve, you can go off. I don't.
1: Steve care. Albini, he's like my new hero. Dude, he's great, right? Like this well, guy. Okay,
0: wait, wait, wait. Okay, before we get it, because I, I want to spend uh, spend some time on Albini as well. So let, let's finish up with all apologies and then we'll get into my banger, my number one banger, and then we'll get into Albini. Sound okay, good? okay, okay, okay. So I'm already moderating. So. Yes.
1: I, again, there's, there's, there's too much. I, I don't know Albini where to go. I don't know where to, so don't want to start. I don't know where
0: to stop. Um, yeah.
1: I, I, I like. So like my, my, my absolute favorite part of this song is, is when he says, Choking on the Ashes of Her Enemy. But mm-hmm. the way he sings it, because normally it's he's going like he's his his vocal range is going upwards, but this one it went down and then it goes into the chorus, and I think that transition is is my favorite part of the album. Yeah, that little tiny part, and then do you growl during like the married buried part, going back into like the chorus and stuff that do whatever he's doing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like that's he's he's bringing it back to like the Nevermind, because this whole album is not. It's not show off y like Nevermind was.
0: Not in the slightest except for like maybe Sendless Apprentice or or maybe Milk It. There's a
1: couple parts. There's yeah. a couple parts. But it's
0: only parts, it's not the entire song. And I think that's like that's so that's
1: oh, that's so good. Just to It shows his to, range. Be able to calm down and just relax. Or play I mean, to a song. Like do you know? How many times we fucking get mad at Travis for ruining songs and Like
0: everything off of california or nine you know
1: like again dave i cannot i cannot reiterate enough how much dave roll is kind of an underappreciated drummer
0: he is and he isn't he's appreciated because he was a part of nirvana and also because he is a good drummer a great drummer but he's underappreciated in the fact that he wasn't like it's weird he's underappreciated because he's out he's, he's overshadowed by kurt but he's also i don't know I, I can't even explain it no I agree. it's such I, a weird situation
1: i do think he is and he isn't underappreciated i think he's appreciated because everybody knows that he was in nirvana everybody knows that nirvana was iconic and helped shape music of the 90s and forward yeah but i think he's underappreciated because he is just the guy that was at nirvana no he's not just the guy that was in nirvana he was the drummer that was fucking fantastic he was the he was the bottom of Nirvana. He was. He was.
0: He was the bottom of this of the '90s or of the the generation. He
1: was truly amazing, and it's so like that's what makes me so mad at the Foo Fighters is to know that you've done this, and then now you do that. Yeah, like what the fuck? How did that happen? What to are you me, doing?
0: My only explanation for that is that he was playing to Kurt's music. You know, he wasn't playing to himself like with with Foo Fighters. Especially because that first Foo Fighters record, it's all uh, Dave. Dave does all all the industry he plays all the instruments, he wrote all the music, sang all the vocals. So he's playing to himself. He's not focusing on just one element and then playing off of another with Kurt. So I feel like there that's where that that disconnection is. Okay, but that that's my only thing. And and I feel like a lot of people don't appreciate Dave as much as they should. In Nirvana is because they don't. People, a lot of people who listen to Nirvana, don't play drums or they don't they don't really factor that into the whole songwriting process. So they don't pick that out, like say you and I or other people would. But once you do pick that out, once you understand how how drums are and and how they're added into a songwriting aspect, like you just understand, like too, this guy was just was just unbelievable, and he truly was iconic for this sound and this this is gen this generation or this time period in music it's crazy absolutely crazy agreed oh, so good but also the the line in all apologies like you were saying it's one of m- it's one of my favorite lines in the whole thing is the end of the second verse when he says sunburn freezer burn choking on the ashes of her enemy and then it just the, it's i'm with you i'm 100 with you it's that that kind of that transition into the chorus and then he yells in the sun in the sun i feel as one Oh my god, dude! The song is so good. All just, apologies, is so so killer. It's
1: it's so bizarre that Kurt is such a bad singer, and everything about him is so sloppy and so messy and gross. And but I don't know, man. I I feel like it's like the long con type of thing.
0: <laughs> but it's not even a con. Like he's open. Like it was always known, and he's always admitted he's not a good singer. But that's that's part of his songwriting style, because he's not a good singer at all, really. For them it's just he's a great fuck. He's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. I'm saying it. He is. He absolutely Damn. is. I don't. I don't think he's overrated at all. I think he's truly a good songwriter. He's not the greatest guitar player. He's not the greatest singer. He's good at playing the guitar, but his songwriting is on another level. And I feel his lyrics match that as well. He is very very. Deep at times, and sarcastic, and I don't know, he's, he's a great lyricist as well.
1: See, like, now I think that, I mean, I've always thought, but now I think that Nevermind is overrated, but Nirvana themselves are underrated.
0: Correct. That's a good, that's that's good, yeah.
1: Because it, like, In Utero did well. It did really, really well. It sold a lot of copies, a lot of units, but a lot of that spike also came in after after Kurt died. And the unplugged thing like that also did really, really well. But a lot of this stuff like had Kurt not died, I don't I don't know how it would have sold long term.
0: Yeah. But also it's also the knee jerk reaction of Nevermind. You know, the I think in utero selling as well as it did at the time was that everybody was expecting more nevermind or people were expecting something along those lines. And it didn't happen, so it was just them going automatically thinking that's what's going to happen. So they just go out and buy the record, and that's where, and that's how In Utero got such high sales was because of that, thinking it was going to be that, but it wasn't at all. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was
0: always the the polar opposite.
1: Yeah. Damn, Nevermind. If dude, if Albini was on Nevermind, mm.
0: I mean, honestly, it's. I mean, Mm. we're we're talking shit on Nevermind, which is still an amazing record. Yeah. butch vig i mean the producer on that record who's in garbage um he uh i mean he did a fantastic job and i mean there's no no knocking him at all it's just it's two very different styles of 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 production and mixing and all that kind of stuff so it's it's not like we're being negative on butch it's just so different it's hard to compare the two
1: so two more things about all apologies and i'm done okay uh, one is that outro with, like, that heavy fuzz distortion in the amp coming through. Yeah. That, 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 like, that one little part makes his entire song, like, bittersweet. And Nirvana and Kurt, like, they do this a lot. They, they, I mean, like, their style is, you know, fucking soft verses, heavy choruses, and they go back and forth, and they do it a lot. And just to end... Kind of like the last recorded official thing that you'll ever hear from Nirvana is all apologies. And that's, I don't know, man, that's saying something. That's something, that's something big.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, before Kurt died, at least. Right. Because there is one song that was released in like 2004. But... Did you hear that song? What, what song was that one? You Know You're Right. No. It was actually played on k a lot when we were in high school. Because it was considered the la- it was it's actually it is considered the last Nirvana song ever made, but then there's also been controversy around that song, saying that it was it was a lot of it was done by Courtney Love about how she um, she wanted to make some more money, so she took some recordings that Kurt had made and then had just like repeated parts over and over again. So if you listen to that song, the last like minute of it is just Kurt saying the same thing over and over again. Like oh, it almost sounds looped for like the last minute of the song. Yelling, you know you're right.
1: I mean, he does like to to repeat himself a lot in some songs, though. Yeah, no. To be fair, I don't know. I I I feel like when 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 a musician dies, their last official release, as far as like like CDs are concerned or albums are concerned, like that's the last thing. And in 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 utero would be the last thing that Kurt released because that's that was the last time he hit a hand in everything. Yeah. And the, the whole concept of it, the the sequencing of the songs, like everything, that's the last thing that he said, yes, I want everyone to hear this.
2: Yes, exactly. And so any
1: any songs that came out after that, I'm I'm hesitant to even to say like that's that's what he wanted us to hear. Because I don't I don't I mean I don't think he cares regardless, but I mean he's dead, so obviously he doesn't care. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> But I mean like all apologies. But even though that, that other song, The Gallons of Rubbing Alcohol, that was
0: that was recorded prior to the these sessions, but that was released on Inuterobe,
1: just not on the U.S. version, right? No,
0: it was only the I think the Japanese release or maybe the U.K. release.
1: Okay, so so like even that like confuses me. Like, did Kurt want that on there? I
3: but think
1: just like U.S. said like uh, the the Geffen said no or whatever the fuck it was. GGC I think said that's no? more
0: of I think that's more of a decision on the record label because the record label has much more power than the artist does, especially at this time. So I don't think Kurt had any any say in. Um, in any of that international wise as most bands don't. I mean, we, we even see it in more modern times. You see bands like fucking AFI, you know, De- nitro records, you know, they just maybe five, 10 years or five or six years ago, they put out an AFI compilation and AFI had nothing to do with it. So it's like, they can kind of, if, as long as they hold the rights to it, they can do whatever the fuck they want with the music.
1: So. Except put it on the remastered Tony Hawk's pro skater soundtrack, apparently. <laughs> And the last thing about know. All Apologies was um, I was reading, supposedly there's a video that was that was in talks, like a music video, mm-hmm. where Kurt was going to play Lee Harvey Oswald and he was going to assassinate uh, Kennedy or Dave Grohl with a gun. I that. But MTV didn't allow guns. And so Bobcat Goldth- Goldwaith uh-huh. suggested that instead of guns, they, they, they use pies. <laughs> and so Dave Grohl gets a pie to the back of his head and... and so like the pie spills out all over the place and dude can you imagine like how amazing that video would be
0: (laughs) that would have been a great video
1: to all apologies right to such like a like a cool calm song
0: that would have been a great video great fucking treatment for a video
1: and it was it was weird to see uh, like i was I, i read that bobcat opened for nirvana in some in some shows in some venues that's so weird Like a weird comedian who talks very bizarre and iconic, open for a grunge band. It's
0: Yeah. But I mean it Nirvana were known for being, you know, weird like that and doing stupid shit.
1: And and like I hate I hate saying like weird and and calling Nirvana weird because it is weird, it's outside the norm, but like when the fuck did we settle for nothing to the point where Bands have to open up for bands. Like why can't comedians open up for bands or magicians open up for bands? Like what, Like, w- at what point did it become the standard for like other bands opening up for bands? And even even so much so that the bands that are headlining don't even fucking know the bands that are opening up for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes. That's why some bands have protested and they have no opening acts. Like Mars Volt, the Mars Volta are, are like one of the best examples of that in modern times where they refuse to have an opening act. But every once in a while they would be the opening act for like The Chili Peppers, but that was only because of their their friendship with that band. But other than that, they never had an opening act. They would always play by themselves. Cuz it was like a fuck you. It's like why would why would why would fans want to be there for 5 hours to catch a 2-hour set when they could be here for 3 hours and catch a 3-hour set with one band.
1: It's true. I mean, that's uh, that probably also stems from Omar's ego where he says an opening well, yeah. act is just taking away from my music.
0: It could be that, but you could also <laughs> argue that with Kurt Cobain as well. You know. I, I feel like Kurt Cobain is
1: is one of those guys that if a th- if if a million people showed up to his concert, he'd be super stoked. If just Courtney showed up to his concert, he'd be super stoked.
0: As I think he would only he be cared. stoked. I think he would only be stoked if they actually like if they liked him for the right reasons. I think he was he was to me Kurt had a had a huge identity crisis like constantly throughout his life and especially once they blew up. So I don't think he really knew what he wanted and that's what led him to, to certain actions. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know. He was a very complicated man, very, very complicated man. Yeah. I mean with his, I mean, he clearly had, it seems like he had bipolar, like severe bipolar depression all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you know add drug use to that like severe drug use to that i mean it's just not gonna help but i don't know um did we go with all apologies
1: yeah i'm fine with that no
0: okay so let's see my i have so many bangers man it's hard to choose just one that's been what the is, hardest part that's been the hardest part for me with this week
1: is 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 radio friendly unit shelter like a banger you, shifter? you gotta talk about shifter I, okay. I think
0: I mean i love that song. It's so good. But it's it even the band has said that's a throwaway song. Okay. Um or Kurt said that. But I hate saying this cuz I don't know. I don't hate saying it cuz I love the song. It's Milk It. Uh, milk It is my my banger right now this week.
1: Oh, damn.
0: Okay. I love Milk It. I the way it starts, it just sounds gross. It sounds almost off time like it's falling apart. And then you have Grohl come in with that just like it's just like this weird, not even a fill. It's just this part, and then it just gets super heavy for momentarily, and then it brings back down to the softness, and then Kurt just kind of like mm-hmm. I don't even know what he says. He's just like moaning, <laughs> and then it just and then it just explodes again. Just the dynamic of that song, I feel is just so great, so so great on that one. So like, so there's a couple,
1: there's a couple things about Milk It that I think is 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 like are are fantastic. Um, one is it starts off like slow. it's very slow and and coming off of of like very ape, which is mm-hmm. another fucking banger and super short and fun. but like milk it just starts off very, very slow as if like they're milking that song. Mm-hmm. and the vocals are so quiet. I know Albini likes to do that, yeah, but this was like the this was like the quietest of the quiet, almost like it was almost non-existent where. It was it, like maybe even an afterthought to add vocals to the song, and it's just like a jam noise song. Like that's that's all they're doing. But mm-hmm. dude, Kurt's rhyming in the chorus, like that's, it's fucking, it's so it's really good. <laughs> I, I guess the chorus and like the post chorus too. Like it's it's so good. Such as when what? he said when he says like angel left wing, right wing, broken wing, lack of iron, and are sleeping.
0: Ah, oh, it's
2: so
1: good. And look and on th- your bright side. Suicide, lost eyes, sights, I'm on your side. Like, it, just rhyming so many words that don't rhyme together, and then using the same word over and over. Wing, wing, wing. But mm-hmm. putting the left, right, broken in front of it to mean something completely different.
0: It's 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 genius. It is, and it's not just the the lyrics themselves. It's how he sings it and how he rhymes it. It's like it sounds like it's falling apart. This entire song sounds like it's falling apart. Like it's barely held together, and. And there's even moments where it sounds like you can hear him like he's laughing in the song, like they kept the take, where he just laughs. he's like, "Don't." And then you hear him like hes once say, "Don't trust me," but he like he you hear that pause and you hear him like laugh a little bit, and then it gets into it, and it's just like it's perfection. It's, it's just absolute perfection. I love it. it is. I'm going to play a little bit of milk it. We haven't played anything in a while, and uh, Dead. It's quite the banger. So here it is from Nirvana. milk it from nirvana i i don't know if you've kind of picked up on this or how you felt about it but his clean guitar playing um during the verses and the intro it almost sounds like like it reminds me of like water dripping or like liquid dripping from something and he has this weird guitar tone and just how he's playing it is just super super weird but i don't know if that's kind of me being biased with the name of the song i don't know it's I mean, really, it would, really strange. It would
1: kind of make sense because I mean, water dripping is usually associated with, in like movies of, of somebody going crazy, yeah, or, or somebody being hyper aware of something. And the way he sings in in Milk it, he's he's kind of like singing like crazy.
0: Yeah, he's he sounds out almost out of his mind. Yeah, but it works so well in the song for some reason.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's I also have that as a banger.
0: It's like a back and forth, like like a lot of people. I mean, I don't have personally have bipolar and I don't understand it as well as somebody who would, obviously, but it kind of seems like the the back and forth of just the highs and the lows. And I feel like this perfectly, this song perfectly exemplifies that the high and the low, both dynamically, sonically, lyrically, vocally. It's just, it's, I feel like it's him at his almost, I I don't want to say most vulnerable, but maybe it is, at least on this record. Like he doesn't seem like he's trying to hide anything. It's not like he's trying to throw out a bunch of like ideas that could be interpreted more than one or two ways, like he does on almost every other song.
1: I I've i I read several times that he he got kind of mad or upset when people were dissecting his lyrics and never mind yeah too much. When, when they were when they were focusing on his lyrics and saying like, "What does this mean?" And just, it just fucking it just means what it is. Like it's nothing else to it. And he's also said that the music comes first and lyrics are secondary at best. Yeah. And so, like, you, I don't know. It almost would have been cool, even though there's way too much to get into. Almost like a like a very Nirvana thing to do, which is not talk about lyrics at all. Just <laughs> fuck them, like throw them away, and just pretend they
0: don't even happen. But there's such a significant part of it. It's unfortunate. No, yeah, no, in I, a way, I, I mean, I know, agree. And there's so many parts of Nirvana that are just, literally every part of Nirvana, to me at least, is great, and it can all be dissected and and you know brought up. But I feel like lyrically, I mean, I know what you're saying. I know what you. I've heard, I've read the same stuff. Like he he's always said that his lyrics aren't as deep as people think they are. I think but that's I think him being self conscious though. I, I, I think exactly. I think, I, think I, think I think it's him being self conscious and just kind of just yeah it, self-conscious is the best the best term i could think of but i think they he's he is that good of a songwriter and lyricist to where he he can do this i mean he i don't know man if, if anybody if anybody can can write this and if people reading it can interpret it multiple ways then i i think you're a good lyricist you know and if you can evoke emotions from those lyrics and affect people that means you're I mean you're doing what you kinda wanna do. Right. Right. I don't know.
1: No, it's it's true. I mean, if 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 your lyrics can be subjective enough to where multiple people get different feelings from them. And even again, like me decades later listening to Nirvana and thinking that Kurt's singing to me, like I'm not crazy. Like that's just the that's just what he's doing. That's how he sounds. That's that's what I think he is he is trying to do. And reading, like reading more about Nirvana and Kurt and, and the way he does it, like this is what he wanted to do. He, he set out to make music that he's just singing to either one person and that one person feels like they're alone, even though they're in a crowd of 10,000. And every single person in that crowd of 10,000 feels like Kurt is singing to just them. Exactly. And that's what they did, and they achieved
0: it. They really, really did. Man, they're
1: so good. All right. I mean, it's crazy to think that the Foo Fighters are just not there. That's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> always bring up the Foo Fighters. It's so stupid.
1: Yeah, Milk It's Good, but it's a banger. I actually added all of these, too. I made it a separate Nirvana playlist that I'm still kind of oh. curating. Oof. Just because there's there's good. there's too many songs for me to want to think, like, okay, this should go on a punk playlist. This should go on. Like, no, 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 there's too many. I'm just going to put them on a Nirvana playlist because when it wasn't Nirvana, then I'm just going to put that one on and then be yeah, fine with call it.
0: They're, they're one of the, besides like a general playlist, Nirvana, you can't, you can't pigeonhole them. Like you have to either, you pretty much just have to listen to them through and through. You can't, it's hard to playlist
2: them, I feel.
1: And It's, it's, it's like weird a, too. Like, like what, what really got me this week was like the whole grunge scene too. Like if, if, we, if we want to get in the grunge thing real quick. We can, yeah. The whole grunge thing, like the big four in grunge, right? Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Like those are the four biggest names in grunge, and like how different does Nirvana sound from the other three? Absolutely. It's like how fucking weird. I mean, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden I would kind of group together, and Then Alice in Chains is kind of maybe a little bit different, but Nirvana. Maybe. But Nirvana, dude, like that's like those three bands are, are are elementary, yeah, at best they're toddlers compared to the the PhD that the Nirvana holds in the grunge scene. <laughs>
0: It's and you know crazy. what's funny is that like bands like up until recently and you know since before cornell, chris cornell died um like all those bands pearl jam and especially Soundgarden, they had always talked about how they were uh, they were never part of the grunge scene they were always outside of the grunge scene and and they don't want to be pigeonholed with nirvana and this and that but it's like dude you you sound nothing like nirvana nirvana was the one that sounded different from everybody else and yet you're, the, the other three of the top four were the ones that sounded very much like one another. And to not be pigeonholed, like, what do you expect? I mean, that's what music is. Like, people, people like to, to label things. That's just sure. what we all do. We all label. Labels things. and rankings, what we things. do. Exactly. And to say that you're, you're not part of the grunge scene when essentially every grunge band sounds like you guys, that's kind of ridiculous. It doesn't make much sense. Nirvana well, was the one that stood out.
1: That's good because every grunge band sounds like those guys, but yeah. no grunge band sounds like Nirvana. Uh uh-uh. And it's funny because these guys never would have even been like big had it not been for Nevermind and blowing up and becoming historic. Yeah. I mean, nobody would fucking know Pearl Jam and that bullshit album they did. Nobody would know fucking Soundgarden.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like come on guys. Like to 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 blame Nirvana for for anything is is, is selfish, is is dumb, it's silly and all three of those bands music will not withstand the test of time at best Pearl Jam will be there just because the 90s was big and grunge was big and that album 10 was big for some reason I don't know why but, but we're it's talking like, as the decades not, go these these bands will be forgotten
0: but not to diminish from like I, I feel like the only thing to come out of those other three bands that was really good were the vocalists I mean I don't like that style but you can't deny that they're 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 good vocalists. They are truly great. Chris Cornell, Lane Staley, and Eddie Vedder, all three, especially Chris Cornell. I think Chris Cornell has an amazing fucking voice, but the music doesn't. It it's just it, there's not enough there as a whole to make i I think it truly great. Like Kurt did not have a good voice. Like he wasn't a good guitar player. Like Kim Thayil from Soundgarden, great guitar player, but you know it's just he didn't have the same songwriting capabilities i feel that kurt cobain had and drumming wise dave rolls is the best drummer out of all four bands like hands
2: down
1: that's probably like the biggest difference in all of them is that the other three bands their singers were basically hair metal bands hair metal singers who didn't want to play like fast songs so they kind of took to the grunt scene because they are yeah. fan, they're all, they're all, they are all really good singers
2: yeah Absolutely. Whereas
1: Nirvana fucking hated that scene, hated that music, like the indie scene, like the like the DOI aspect of punk music, and played shitty music, played sloppy, sometimes slow, sometimes fast, just whatever they felt like playing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it was bad. Like it just wasn't good, but it was honest. It was it was like the farmer who says it don't pay much, but it's honest work. Like that's yeah. Nirvana. <laughs>
0: And it's, it's interesting to me too. Like the, I feel like the bands that you can compare Nirvana to, or at least Kurt's vocal or yeah, just Nirvana in general, the bands that you can compare them to the most would be like, um, like I I brought them up a lot, but like the meat puppets, that was one of Kurt's biggest influences. So you can compare them to the meat puppets. You can compare them to the pixies. You can definitely compare them to um, Sonic youth, uh, to the Melvins a little bit. Uh, So it's like, they they should be you know globbed in with those bands rather than soundgarden and everything else because they they're just they they sound nothing like the traditional grunge it's just it's weird that nirvana has been thrown into that grunge element when they don't sound like the typical grunge it's just it's so weird to me and why and why bands like sonic youth and melvins and Me puppets never became as huge as soundgarden alice in chains and Pearl Jam, I don't understand. I don't understand. When Nirvana was as big as they were, why, they, why those other bands never received the same attention. It's weird. It's super, super weird.
1: I think yeah. people are afraid and don't want to talk about grunge starting with Nevermind and ending with Cobain's death. Like That's how fast true grunge started and stopped. And we can we can pull it forward a little bit and then extend it outwards after that a little bit, but the fact that nobody sounded like Nirvana and has since, and the fact that Nirvana was 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 just something really really special, it was, and it it really did start like the like the like the true grunge sound, which I don't think Cobain even like that that term at all, oh, it's just it's just another label, but it 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 started with like nevermind and end with his death so grunge was only around for a couple of years
0: yeah if, and three years it. if if you think about it i mean between or less than 3 years because nevermind came out in 91 and kurt died in april of uh 94 so yeah less than 3 years that whole explosion happened and everything that came out of it and not only just the i mean not even just the grunge scene but the whole indie rock scene blew up in the mid 90s I mean, REM was already big at the time, but then you have all these other bands. I can't even think off the top of my head, but they're just the like the pumpkins. Helpless. Your boys? Uh, no, the pumpkins have been around since the late 80s. Yeah, the, pump, so,
1: the I mean, the pumpkins are, are pretty. Albini hates the pumpkins too, but
3: we'll get. Into oh, that a dude, bit I later. love the
0: pumpkins. I love the <laughs> pumpkins. Oh, my God. I love Billy Corgan. Uh, it's great. No,
1: but, but look, for real, like, 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 Alice in Chains, they were a heavy metal band that just kind
0: of dabbled in the grunge scene. Yeah. Like, they're a fucking heavy metal band. Right, same with Soundgarden. Soundgarden was the same way. They were more of, they were more of a hard rock or almost metal band, almost metal.
1: Like the only the only band out of those ones that I would consider maybe would would dabble in the grunge, even though I haven't listened to a lot of them, would be like Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam was so like alt rock. But even that that term alt rock, I
2: mm-hmm. mean that
1: that was something that was kind of unheard of as well, until Nirvana made music that no one knew how to fucking categorize it. So, they made grunge. They made alt rock popular. All these different terms that we associate now with, and especially like the alt rock bands of the 90s, the one hit wonders of the 90s, right?
3: Mm -hmm. The Eve
1: Sixes, the Fastballs, (laughs) the fucking Marcy Playgrounds. Like, holy shit, dude. Like, all of these bands heard Nirvana, were blown away, and said, These guys can make music that's not standard, that's not normal. Like, we we can make one song that's good. And And those songs are really. good. They are. They're fucking fantastic.
0: Oh, it's crazy, man. It's gross. Dude, Nirvana's great.
1: Again, man, I I I
0: think I never thought thought this would happen.
1: I think Nevermind is 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 overrated and I think Nirvana is underrated.
0: Dude, it's twenty years in the making. Twenty years in the making I've been trying to to get you there. (laughs) Trying to get you there, and you finally there. Took fucking long enough. All right. So let's move on to some Steve Albini stuff because this guy is the guy who produced it. He engineered it. He mixed most of it. And, um, he's an interesting guy. He's done a lot of shit, like thousands of different bands over the years. And, um, he's well respected and also hated within the corporate, uh, music industry. Now, um, let's, let's get into him more. What do you got?
1: I, um, upon first listening to In Utero, I mean, sonically, you can hear a difference. There is a huge difference between this and Nevermind. Yeah, you can clearly hear a difference between this and Nevermind. Like, there's, there's, there's a difference. And I don't want to say the difference because we'll get into it. So, but upon first reading about Steve Albini, I said, I thought, like, this guy's a hard ass. Like, this guy was probably so irritating to work with because he has so many Things that he will not budge on. And there's so many different things that he doesn't care about that he likes. And so I thought, I, like, I my initial thoughts were like, dude, this guy was probably a pain in the ass to work with. Mm-hmm. The more I read about him, the more he became like my favorite producer of all time because He's he great. is so fucking rad. Let me just read off a bunch of things that he hates. Okay. Okay. Um, he hates A and R reps. He thinks they're snakes. He thinks that they're only there to make young artists feel like they have a friend. Immediately thought of John Feldman too. Immediately <laughs> thought of John Feldman.
3: <laughs> uh, he, oh he fuck, hates, it makes me hate John Feldman even more. He
1: hates producers that doesn't use that, that don't use analog. He hates producers John Feldman. who compress a lot of shit. John Feldman. John Feldman. He hates producers who <laughs> uses words like punchy and warm. John Feldman. Also has John used Feldman. Those. Yeah. Uh, he also said pop music is for children and idiots. And John Feldman. He hates the smashing bumpkins.
0: Not John Feldman, um, but that's fine. I didn't read the, the Smashing Pumpkins part. Where, where did you read that?: So
1: the Smashing Pumpkins, um, I don't know a lot about their history, but there was a period when they were in um, when they were first starting in Chicago mm-hmm. that they would they would shit on the Chicago music scene, which garnered them a lot of hate from people that lived in Chicago, yeah. and which is kind of cool
0: in itself, but okay,
1: maybe I guess I don't know but but to Come shit on, on l- to shit on Come your on. initial fan base is is like you better be fucking good that's like the
0: most punk rock thing you could do i
1: don't know but but the chicago music scene like are you kidding me like there's what? so much fucking history in the Chicago music scene to shit on it. That's just stupid. I mean, you, in the late like, '80s, in the like late you, '80s, what? Like blues was taken up to up to Chicago. Okay, but that the, was the, like, come that on. What, the, the 1930s, but there's still that history was there. Fifty years prior, you, you can shit on the Yorba Linda music scene. That's fine. You can sit shit on the Gilbert music scene. That's fine. <laughs> but to shit on Chicago, like come on, dude. That's just that's just naive. That's naive and stupid. But that's why Albini does not like them, because he thinks that they're cookie-cutter, he thinks they're fucking sellouts, he thinks they're fake, bullshit artists.
0: Yet, yet, (laughs) he goes and works with Nirvana, who just released Nevermind two years prior.
1: He didn't want to, though. He didn't want to work with them. He only worked for them because he felt sorry for them, because they clearly got raped... By the music industry, by their record label, by the bigwigs—that's why you you work with them.
0: But then, but then you can make that argument with Smashing Pumpkins or Billy Corgan, that they were they were dealt the same hand. Yeah, but they were dicks. Were they though? That's always been the okay. So, dude, this is not a Smashing Pumpkins to start. To
1: start with, to start with again, I don't know the history of them, but to shit on—I mean, Chicago is a rich melting pot of of all different things music arts entertainment like everything to say that the music scene in chicago was dumb is that that well at the time it
0: could have been i don't know much about the music scene at the time in the late 80s but there's
1: history behind it there's history in the chicago music scene who
0: gives a fuck
2: it's
1: about the scene right then
0: it's about the scene right then
1: it's like (sighs) clearly clearly billy corgan didn't know shit but also, I didn't know this about oh, Smash dude, this not, really the Smashing Pumpkins until this week either. Pumpkins—they're not that great. They are not that great. The all. only in reason why capacity. you
0: don't like the Smashing Pumpkins is because of his voice, Billy Corgan's voice. That's the only reason why you don't like them.
1: So, like, the Smashing Pumpkins started off as just what two people in a drum machine.
0: Are you thinking of uh, Primus?
1: No, that's Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing it was Billy Corgan, somebody else, and like a drum machine. It
0: could have been. I don't, I don't know. I'm not super familiar. So that's what I Smashing read Pumpkins. into this week was that's how it started, and
1: that's okay, how so all of Smashing Pumpkins music sounds like is just two people and a drum machine.
0: Dude, oh my god, you have no idea what you're Boring fucking talking music. about. If you Boring if you music. if you say that Jimmy Chamberlain sounds like a drum machine, you have clearly never heard a dare, drummer before like jimmy chamberlain
1: Chim- you are is so
0: stupid pumpkins. i mean you can say whatever the fuck you want you could be really stupid when you say it too <laughs> but <laughs> to say that jimmy chamberlain is a bad drummer or anything in that sense is that's just boring is just you're just fucking re-stupid re you're re-stupid <laughs> like that's a new word i'm coming up with you're re-stupid
1: i like that that's good i like re-stupid
0: you're re- stupid.
1: You're re- stupid. Your truck got fucking run over. Are you like, fuck? Your ears <laughs> got run
0: over by a truck, <laughs> dude, dude. I mean, honestly, that such disrespect towards Jimmy Chamberlain, dude. The guy is, oh my god, dude. His drumming is just so swingy and so amazing. I, I we'll eventually do a Smashing Pumpkins record.
1: I mean, I'm yeah. not opposed to it because I will listen to all of their records and then I will either be changed and eat my words or <laughs> I will shit all over you for an hour and a half. That's either fine. way, I, I'll have a good time.
0: Also I'm new to the to the pumpkins game. I'm only I'm only like three years in into the whole into their whole catalog. But boy oh boy, is it fucking great. Just saying.
1: Okay. Also their history
0: is interesting, but anyway. Yeah. Also back Steve to, back Albini, to
1: Albini Albini hates the corporate side of the recording industry or the record industry. And he wrote this, I mean, he's written a lot of things, and it's interesting because he writes a lot, and he's good at writing, mm-hmm. and he did this Reddit AMA, this Ask Me Anything, and mm-hmm. somebody had said, like, why don't you publish anything, like, why don't you write a book? And he says that he hates when when artists of any capacity think that just because they are good at one thing, they can be good at other artistic <laughs> things. And then the person that he quoted, the person that he named specifically was David Bowie. He says, David Bowie comes to mind because of the fact that David Bowie thinks that he can write music, so now he can do other things. And it was also interesting because Nirvana then went on to record a David Bowie cover. Mm -hmm. I thought that was fun. But um, but yeah, he's a fantastic writer, but in something that he had written or something that he had published that people read and, and liked, he says that a group whose album like, a, like, a, like a, a musical group whose album sells 250,000 copies could end up making the same wage as they would be working at 7-Eleven after the mm-hmm. labels and all the corporate bigwigs take all of their fees.
0: I read that too, and I thought that was insane. I mean, it, we've always known that the music industry is wildly corrupt, and the artists make no money from album sales, but, but that was a very interesting, uh, I guess, analogy. But then,
1: like, so so what do you do? What do you do, Albina? How are you going to fix it? You sit there writing little fucking clips and snippets. Like, how are you going to fix it? So, what does he do? He takes a flat fee. He takes a flat fee from any artist that he works with because that's what a producer should do. A producer is there to help the artist, not be the artist. And he feels that a producer who takes royalties is now inserting themselves into the band as if they have any kind of artistic credibility. And after he's like said all these all these things after I've read so much about him, it's hard for me to like get behind big producers that we've talked about on this podcast. I just like
0: Rick Rubin and yes, shit like, like that. he
1: was the first person that came to mind because he's so great, he's so fantastic, but he didn't he he didn't do what that was. He he didn't take a flat fee for his services. He inserted himself into the band and now he's become part of the band.
0: Yeah. And he doesn't fuck with the songwriting. That was like his biggest thing. He said, I'm not here to be a songwriter. I'm here to get the best out of this band, the best tones out of this band. I'm here to record the band. I'm not here to, to do any sort of songwriting, which is the. Steve Albini is the antithesis to John Feldman. Yes. That's what oh, he yes. is. Like, like 100%. Like, you cannot. Like, it's just they're polar opposites. And when you think, okay, so. I don't remember the exact amount that it costs to record this album in utero, but I know he, he did take the $100,000 flat fee and they said, well, you could be making $500,000 if you, if you signed on, if you signed differently and you could have gotten royalties and everything. So I, I think that might've been yearly. He would have get, he would get $500,000 roughly. um, are right out of that first year at least. Uh, But he took that $100,000 flat fee. I think the studio time for the two weeks that it took to record or to do this entire album, it cost like 30 grand or maybe $25,000. It was super low. And the band paid for it. The band paid for it. Not only that, but I think it said the cost to make the record overall was like one point. It was like over a million dollars. No, it wasn't a million dollars. It was significantly higher than what those two figures showed. And it made me think like, dude, how much money just up front did they make before the album was even released? I don't know. It Just, well, maybe not released, but it, like shortly after it was released, released, like how much did Geffen make and all the people that were behind the scenes, but not really behind the scenes. How much did they fucking make? I mean, the it's our like, guys and all that shit.
1: It's understandable because I mean, as an artist, it, your your number one goal is for people to listen to your music, right? Yeah. Before I mean, as like a I guess like a real artist, that's your number one goal—not to make money, not to sell merch, not to go on tour—but you, like your number one goal is for people just to hear your fucking music. That's why anybody starts playing any instrument, so somebody can hear them, so somebody yeah. can just say like, "Hey, that was that was really good. Like you did a good job," and so. In order to do that, you, you need money. That's just the way the world works. You need money. Geffen has money. Without Geffen, without DGC, without Sub Pop, without any of these other labels, Nirvana would have never been able to bring their music to the masses as you can today. And so I, I understand like the need for big labels like that, yeah. but like to clearly exploit the artist because they need you more than you need them is 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 kind of like a testament to mankind. Is just how shitty we are as as humans in general. And and see, Albini repeatedly re- like referred to like these as as like slave labor. And yeah. Nirvana is at the is at the the mercy of the big label. And that's why he worked with them because he felt bad for them because he heard Nevermind and thought it was good, but it was too much. It was too compressed, it was too overproduced.
2: Yeah. And, and
1: and but like he he still liked the band like he liked all three of the guys, and Kurt Cobain said that he was one of the coolest persons he's ever worked with, and I think that's also stems from the fact that Albini just doesn't fuck around. Mm-hmm. There's he no doesn't bullshit. Waste time. Doesn't waste yeah. time. There's no fucking bullshit. They they go up into Minnesota, in the woods for two weeks to record an album. They set a deadline. They make that deadline, and there's no other distractions. There's no Not phone only- calls. There's nothing.
0: Not only did they make the deadline, the the band had a self-imposed two-week deadline. They finished recording everything within six days. Everything was done within six days. Not only that, they had to wait for their equipment to be shipped there. So they were there for a couple of days before their equipment was even there. Yeah, just doing nothing. Doing nothing. And then they recorded everything within six days. Everything was mixed. Everything was put together within two weeks. That's remarkable. And Albini had a, had a strict rule to where nobody was allowed there. Nobody outside of the band was there. was allowed there. So it was the band, the three guys, it was Albini. And then Bob Weston. I forgot the guy, the other audio engineer was there. That was it. Apparently. uh, Oh, and also Albini's wife because she was cooking. She did all the cooking for the, the two weeks that they were there. And the only person that, that came by course was Courtney love. Of course Courtney love showed up and apparently it was a giant shit show. She didn't like what she heard in the music. She complained about it. Everything, she was a huge, huge issue on everything that was happening up there. Ah, oh, dude, I fucking... Man, is she, she is she not like the Yoko Ono of, of like, the 90s? She's, like, beyond the Yoko Ono. She's like, just unbelievable. She's, like, despicable in so many ways. Oh, God, I don't... Honestly, I don't even want to get into Courtney, Courtney Love on this. Like, I, will I, say, I, I will say... I will say that... She's so if, awful.
1: I think Courtney Love hides her ugliness—not like physical appearance, but actually who she is. I think she's an ugly person. I think she hides it by being overly active in societal issues that are important to to the masses. Yeah, like she's always involved in in, in different things because I think she's an ugly person.
0: Yeah, I I know, man. I I think I agree with you on that. And I feel like she's she's uh, one thing that that really bothered me this is like way after Kurt had died. This is like maybe in 2005 or 2006 or no, no, it was earlier. That was a couple of years, maybe 2002 or three. She, um, she thought she decided that she wanted to make more money off of Kurt's, you know, estate. And, um, she released a shit ton of his private journals and sold them all and made millions and millions of dollars off of his private journals that clearly he would not have wanted released. I mean, I have. I bought them because I was a sucker. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, it's just like it's shit like that. She would do shit like that. And she's always done it. And the suicide note debacle. Oh, God, dude. I can go on for days about Courtney Love and how much how shitty she is. But that's not I don't want to talk about her anymore. She's awful in so many ways.
1: I mean, that's like a whole other podcast of the su- just like, just a suicide note in general. I, I mean, oh, I, know. I, I I didn't do too much research on it because there was too much to do. There's so much. And I don't want to take away from the music, but there is a lot of research to be done on whether or not the, the debate of whether or not Kurt Cobain actually committed suicide or if he was murdered. Yeah. Not specifically by Courtney Love, but if she had a hand in the murder. And I mean there's there's debates that, that still go on. I mean they, they oh, still yeah, get absolutely. they still like the police department still gets phone calls weekly for people trying to reopen the case because of new evidence, because of whatever's going on. Yep. So, you know, that it it is what
0: it is. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, but let's go back to Albini. Yeah. Um, but no, his, his also his recording style too. he uh, he for the most part he required the band to to record live so with one another he was very much about the mic placements and I guess at some points the, he had roughly 30 mics surrounding Dave Grohl when he recorded drums on certain songs just to get the right tone and he recorded everything to tape never recorded anything analog or never recorded anything digitally he mixed everything analog so everything is just very basic and um, not a lot of not a lot of overdubs not a lot of multi-tracking, which is uh, pretty remarkable even for this time. That was pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, it's just his his recording technique, his viewpoints on things. But I did have something that I didn't like about him. Oh yeah, one thing I didn't like about him, which is speculative speculative, but is that he he decided to work with Nirvana post Nevermind, and I think there were some like ulterior motives to that knowing that he would make money off of it and he would not only that he would make money of it but he also he would also get the clout with working with nirvana post Nevermind. like i think that was a calculated move on his part and business wise it was it was a calculated move but he but the way he he set it up made it seem like he was still punk and still underground and all that stuff but he knew what he was doing knowing that this would put his name essentially in the mainstream music industry was to work with Nirvana, even if he didn't want to. I don't But he still prefaced it in a way to make him seem more authentic.
1: Yes, he clearly knew what would happen if he worked with Nevermind. It would it would be he's going or not Nevermind, Nirvana. He would be going down in history as possibly making the greatest Nirvana album ever, or it would be like the destruction of Nirvana and it would come out shitty. Like he like he knew the highs and the lows of what was going on. But I don't think the fact that he took a hundred thousand dollars—I mean, the cloud alone—since he's since he worked on in, in utero, it's not like he's gone on to to record like I don't know iconic albums. It's they're they're mostly like like no name bands or very localized bands or very smaller bands that he's worked with, and then he still owns a recording studio where he just charges by his like his time. He he still doesn't take royalties, doesn't do anything like that. He still kept that same mantra since the beginning. He's but he's been doing the same thing for 30 plus years. Yeah. And the fact that if a band really really wants to record with him but they just don't have the money, as long as they can do it themselves, he allows them to use his recording studio and record their own shit. But mm-hmm. if he has to work with them then he's going to charge him for his time, but even his time. He I mean he gets paid by like the hour.
0: Yeah, but I think I see what you're saying there, but I think in the end it's a long game. He knew the long game. He knew that if he put his name out there into the music world, into the music industry, in this sense, he would always have work for essentially the rest of his life. Like there would never, there would never be a time, from I think his viewpoint, where he would never have downtime in the within the music industry because he worked with Nirvana on one record. Like he knew what, it.
1: That's what I love about this guy is that he.
0: He's very calculated.
1: He's he's very about the music, though, because he could have taken those royalties that, from in yeah. utero and retired off of those royalties. He he could have opened a little studio, and just been fine, off of just the royalties from in utero. Like that could have been fine, done deal, call it a day, live your life. But he just took the one hundred thousand dollars, which is still a lot of fucking money, especially yeah. like in the nineties. Like that's a lot of fucking money, and so he just took that small amount, and then even still today, he's still doing like the small. DIY stuff, and he only takes a salary of like I think it was like twenty seven, twenty eight thousand dollars a year. I mean, plus he gets paid by the hour, which is still wasn't a lot too. I think I read in the twenties range. So the guy's probably making like 50, 60k k a year recording albums for bands that are not Nirvana, that are not yeah, well local. known bands. They're very localized. They're very regional. They're 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 sometimes big, but he's not making millions of dollars as he probably could have had he marketed himself better after in utero and then still even after that he was still writing like weekly columns to to various you know big publishing names and calling them out for being fucking sellouts and douchebags and his feud with smashing pumpkins was was big and like there's just so many bands that he fucking hates and there's just so many things he just doesn't care like this dude is like the this guy is like my favorite music producer of all time and possibly my favorite figure in music of all time. He's so yeah. fucking cool. He is so happy with just having a, probably a medium sized recording studio with like a medium sized house. And like, that's all he needs. He doesn't need a huge house, he doesn't need a, a mansion, he doesn't need a yacht. He just, he's happy just being, being Steve Albini.
0: Yeah, well, it's not a matter of need; it's a matter of want. What he wants isn't anything extravagant. It's not. It's like it's it's his it's his whole thing of not feeding into the media and feeding into big media. You know, he wants what he wants, and it's nothing extravagant, and that's what he he's satisfied with. That he doesn't he doesn't need anything more than that.
1: It's just like he's like the opposite of everything America. I, I I, I should say he is he is what America started out being. Right, like just take, you know, like work hard, and you'll become happy just with what you have.
0: Like the the true the traditional American way.
1: And then like America kind of shifted into this this white picket fence with a huge house, and you're the you're the manager somewhere, and you stepped over everybody's head to get there. And he's the opposite of that. And he's I I feel like he's trying to get the music industry back to where it was. Also, he loves file sharing, loves it. Yeah, he's very loves file sharing. The whole Napster debacle. Loved it. He says, I don't I, I don't care. He says, these bands are going to make more money touring by mm-hmm. getting their name out there. If friends are sharing whatever it is, they're going to get more money from people now listening to their albums. I want to go see them in tour now, on tour, buy their merch, whatever it is, in tour. In <laughs> utero or in tour. So again, dude, this guy is, I was, I've never even heard of this dude.
0: Well, it's because you never got into Nirvana. Like, I, I've, I mean, I only know Albini because of Nirvana." Like he hasn't, to me, he hasn't really done anything that I thought was great or worked with bands I thought that were super great. But Nirvana, I I know Albini because of Nirvana.
1: I think bands are scared to to go with him, and record labels probably very very much don't want the band to go with him, because I feel like when a band goes with him to produce their album, not only do they get a fantastic sound, but now he enlightens them on the on the way they're being treated by said record label but one thing that he that he is is very very fond of is putting the vocals kind of in the background yeah of the music and having the music come through first and the vocals in the back so much that there was this huge controversy too on this album that several songs were remixed by somebody else and that fucking pissed albini off like to no one to no other
0: oh yeah he still bitches about it to this day
1: that was the reason why I thought he was a hard ass, though, because like initially I thought, like, dude, if if you're, if the band wants to redo it, like, just let them fucking redo it. It's their music. That's a, that's what you're all about. But one, he had a contract, and so that's that's something that needs to be respected and and legally that needs to be followed. Yeah. If he has a contract, because then to what's the point of the having a contract? Absolutely. And then number two, it's it wasn't necessarily only the band's decision. It was maybe like ten percent the band's decision, and the rest of it was fucking Geffen. It was it was DGC trying? To make these songs sound more radio friendly and go yeah. back to the Nirvana sound, and well,
0: even, that's sickening. Even, even Kurt said that after they recorded the record and everything was done, he went back and listened to it, and he didn't like it at first. He didn't like it because outside sources were saying, "No, no," because the record that Geffen was saying and the A and R guys were saying, "You know, no, it's not. It's not like Nevermind. It's not good." So he was second guessing of him, guessing, second guessing himself. But, like, you know, close friends were saying to you, this is amazing, this is an amazing record, you got to put it out. And it took him several weeks or almost a month to realize, like, wow, like, I I should I, I should do this for myself and not necessarily, I shouldn't let so many outside influences influence how I feel about this record. And then eventually he realized, wow, this is, like, Kurt realizing you know, this is what I wanted. This is what, we went up there for two weeks, this is what we this is us. This is no outside influence into this. That the exact
1: and, like that's that's why that's why this is their best. It's because it captures the melodies and the musicianship of Nevermind, but it also adds the raw fun of Bleach and combines yeah, and, the two into a perfect album.
2: Yeah,
0: and yeah. it also has their their true what they were feeling. It it very much encapsulates where the band were at this time, or where Kurt was at this time, lyrically, musically, and everything like that, completely unfiltered. Oh man, dude! And you know, sick album.
1: I, That's I, so sick. I was also reading too. There was like a Newsweek article that caused controversy when Newsweek was saying there's a lot of um, there, the, the, there was a lot of discrepancies between what the band wanted, what Albini wanted, what the label wanted, and so the album was going to need to get redone and Newsweek ran this fucking article, and it pissed everybody off. All the execs and, and, and Geffen hated it, and supposedly David Geffen himself called Newsweek and yelled at him <laughs> for running a bullshit article, and then Nirvana took out a full-page like ad in Billboard magazine to say, like, no, this is all fucking bullshit. We're working with Albini. He's fantastic. He's great. The record that's going to come out is the one that we wanted, not mm-hmm. what the record labels wanted. It's good. It's It's... Surprisingly good.
0: Well, let's get let's get back into some of the songs. Unless you got anything else to say about Albini.
1: Um, no, nothing about Albini. Bob Ludwig, oh. he was the audio master.
0: That's who I was thinking of earlier. Yeah,
1: he. uh Just like a real quick thing, I I, la- I I gave a good chuckle on, but Bob Ludwig, you've you've probably never heard of him, but he's an audio master dude. Masters a lot of a lot of music, but uh, he's won eleven Grammys. <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, like yeah, he's never won heard of him.
1: Eleven fucking Grammys. I know we go back and forth all the time. When it suits my argument, I always say how Grammys are great. <laughs> but like, clearly, this show is how stupid the fucking Grammys are. Like, guy yeah. that you've never heard of who has worked, who is just mastered. Right? He he's he's there at the very tail end of the recording process. Does minimal work. I shouldn't say minimal work. He probably yeah, works very hard. Not fair. But <laughs> he he's not artistic in any way as far as 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 the actual construction of music is concerned. It's at the tail end of things and he's won eleven Grammys. Yes. But the Grammys are are very important to mean a lot. So
0: <laughs> take take that for what you <laughs> will.
1: Fucking eleven fucking Grammys is that's guy's insane. Won. I didn't
0: even know that. <laughs> that's nuts.
3: Oi. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're done with we're huh, we're done um. with Steve Albini. And um let's get into some other some other uh songs of theirs. What's another banger for you on uh, on In Utero?
1: We've only talked about like three songs thus far. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> that Albini thing was like 30 fucking minutes. But just starting off the top, like Serve the Servants. I, I, I love how this song starts off and the album itself kind of starts off with this ugly, gross chord. Mm-hmm. Like the first yeah. thing you hear from this album is this kind of like off-putting, gross chord that sounds like out of tune and it's just It's dirty.
2: It is. It's gross. A
1: a lot about this album is very, very dirty. But dude, the melody is so solid. But it's like buried by the intensity of Kurt's vocals. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But the melody from like the instrumentals is fucking solid. And this, like this, is the grunge sound. Like this song is the grunge, the grungiest of the grunge. The grungiest of the grunge, especially on this record. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's it's pretty straightforward. Like it's pretty just clear cut. It's pretty. not much to it, but...
0: But it's also the most personal for Kurt lyrically, talking about his relationship with his dad, how he doesn't hate him, but he doesn't relate to him at all, and he doesn't want any sort of relationship with him because it's boring. It's not... He doesn't get anything out of it. Right. He never really dives that deep or that that straightforward lyrically, especially on this record, than this one, than Serve the Servants, the
2: opener.
1: And the chorus itself is very... It's almost like monotone and lazy. This mm-hmm. is very like lackluster, but for effect, not yeah. not for lack of talent. Like <coughs> everything's it's solid. calculated. Yes,
0: solid, solid mm-hmm.
1: stuff. Yep.
2: Oh
0: man, that's a solid one. That's the, a good one. The
1: solo is also very good. It's noisy. It's reckless. It's but like the band holds it down, and there's a poppy melody there. Mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's like that conic contrast with the solo, with the bands kind of doing that fifty sixty style pop stuff. It's it's a good contrast, and it works well.
2: Yeah,
0: but that's like every song. You know, everything's sloppy and almost sounds like it's falling apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But should yeah, I play Serve the that's, Servants that's, or should that's we? That's a
1: banger. I mean, for sure we're going to be playing other. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can not play the big ones. Maybe we can not play Heart Shaped Box. Maybe we can no, not I don't... play Rape Me. Maybe we can not play... Actually, that's I want to play dumb because dumb is really
0: good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was definitely not going to play those those first two. The heart shape box or rape me, because I I mean those play those. I mean everyone's heard those. We've all heard all apologies too, but yeah, I don't want to play. Good. I definitely don't want to play heart Shaped box. But, okay. Yeah. So uh, I mean,
1: at least play serve the servants the first like 30 seconds or 20 okay. seconds even just we want to okay. hear that first that first chord ring out
2: okay here we go Is that good enough for you? Yeah. yeah, solid.
4: Yeah,
0: it is. It's such an interesting opener, opener. Such a downer of an opener. Yeah, but man, dude, it's still a solid song. But again, it's, it's, so it's
1: masked by such a like an uplifting poppy melody.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah. that first chord, dude. That first chord is just—I don't know, man. The first that fir- the first thing you hear on this album. I mean, technically, it's, it's Dave Grohl, but like the first thing you focus on this album was a disgusting dirty chord that sounded like it's shit. gross
0: yeah it sounds gross it sounds dirty that that's how this entire record sounds though it's just sounds like a dirty fucking record <laughs> uh, all right um i do want to talk about because we might which i okay so this song francis farmer will have a revenge on seattle i never i've never looked into francis farmer i always thought it was just a name you know, I, I didn't know that she was an actress and all this stuff. And reading into the lyrics and his fascination with this Frances Farmer and her, her career, not just her career, but her downfall and her being admitted into psychiatric facilities and the rape and it's just truly, truly tragic. And how their they're both of their timeline not timelines, but their how their how they were treated in the media were very similar the parallels between the two were just uh, shocking i i never i never made the connection both in hindsight and his his fascination with her was truly truly eye opening i thought it was great that and not only of that but the song itself is really really good it's a great song
1: yeah i mean i i agree i never heard of this song and never heard of frances elena farmer Besides this week, and um, I I read a little bit about her too, and it was very, very sad, very tragic. Mm -hmm. Just how she's kind of thrown around everywhere, and nobody really. She had a bunch of husbands because nobody really knew how to how to kind of like deal with what's going on with her. And this was at a time when like mental health wasn't a thing. And if it was dealt
0: with much differently,
1: if you were if you were weird, if you were different, then you were just institutionalized. And there was even like a thing where I've read somewhere that she was possibly like lobotomized.
2: Yeah, I
0: read that too, but that was never, that was never confirmed. I guess a lot of people have done research and gotten medical records and there's no proof that she was ever lobotomized. No proof whatsoever. There, there are more, there's more proof to the allegations that she was sexually assaulted. Yes. Dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Um, But. The the lobotomy was never has never been proven. There's never been shown. There's never been any evidence showing that that was true.
1: Okay, That's sad stuff. Regardless.
0: Yeah, regardless, and the fact that she was hospitalized for so many things when she shouldn't have been. I mean, she was eventually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, but with the proper medication and treatment, you don't. You should not be institutionalized. And she and I don't know. Everything I've read, it doesn't seems like it seemed like she was thrown in there for more you know sensationalism sensationalism and everything like that and and like you said people not knowing how to i guess for lack of a better word deal with somebody who is schizophrenic in that sense
1: yeah i mean she grew up i mean she was born like the 1910s and then died in the 70s so throughout her life like that's what she had to deal with and it's just it's it's sad that if this happened to somebody who was well known like her like just imagine what happened to people that had no money, that had no friends, that had nobody to speak up for them. It's it's mm-hmm. it's gross,
0: despicable, absolutely despicable, scary. Even seeing what I've even in modern day, what I've seen in 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 certain because they're not we don't call them asylums anymore, and the way we 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 treat mental health patients like with this severity, in this severity, it's it's much different than what it was forty fifty years ago. But even seeing what I've seen now, it's gross. And I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine what it was like decades ago. It's Mm. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Being in the medical field and seeing what I've seen, I just, I can't believe that certain things are treated certain ways. You can't get,
1: like, you can't believe that people get away with treating other people like that.
0: Yes. Both back then and even nowadays. That's our,
1: that's like, that's a test. That's also a testament to our society where. Again, the American dream is 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 now move out of your parents' house and forget about them. You throw your parents in a in a in a home at some point because you don't want to deal with them. And I mean, there, there's other cultures that have their parents move back in with them later on before they die.
0: Almost every other culture, yeah. It's it's every it's pretty much everybody outside of the the American way that that treat elders that way, where they 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 have them they live with them still they never really move out. It's the American way that says you need to be entirely independent and fuck everybody else.
1: Yeah, it's sad, it's gross. Yeah.
0: But yeah, the Frances Farmer story is it is kind of it's it, it is sad. I I know she wasn't the greatest person to work with, but you know, it, that doesn't excuse the fact of how she was treated outside of Hollywood. That's fucked. Absolutely fucked. Yep. And the song, but the, uh, the song,
1: like the song, does a good job at kind of presenting that that grittiness of of her life, of what he's trying to tell the story and the music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's little like nuances in his voice and Kurt's voice that kind of make this. This is my second favorite song on the album.
2: Yeah, it's
0: a good one. And
1: so, like the guitar feedbacks, like in like during his vocals, sometimes it kind of like drones on, mm-hmm. like a little too long. And again, it makes it uncomfortable, makes it awkward. And then his voice during the chorus is strained for too long. Mm. But like, that's what makes it so good. Like, that's what makes like, that's what makes his song make me feel like he's singing it to me is because he knows that I like to feel uncomfortable. I like that weird uncomfortableness. I like to, I like to get out of myself and, and feel awkward because, again, I feel like when you're, when you're in your most vulnerable positions is when you're feeling awkward, when you're feeling uncomfortable. That's kind of like who you truly are. That's when you're thinking under pressure. That's when a lot of thoughts are going through your mind. That's when a lot of things are happening in your body. And so for him to kind of evoke that emotion out of me is why I feel like, when I said earlier, Kurt's, Kurt's singing to me. This, this album was made for me decades ago. <laughs>
0: decades ago. Decades and you're just ago. now feeling it. It's crazy. That you're finally you're finally getting on board, dude. And the it's, solos, they're just like instrumental breaks. Yeah, they are. There's really nothing like flashy. Solos. Yeah, there's nothing flashy about Nirvana. It's like great. They,
1: they, they, and they go perfectly. Like they they are so good at going from pretty to gritty, like on command, mm-hmm. like I, on a, on one beat, pretty to gritty and then back. That's what they do best, and it's it's absolutely perfect. It is.
0: So here's a here's Francis Farmer. We'll have a revenge on Seattle.
4: Yes, I'm relieving now that you're leaving. Seventy.
2: His tone, his guitar tone too.
0: The way he switches between the the, the clean and the the he, the super distorted to the fuzzy, it's dude, his tone's great on that record on this song.
1: This sounds like when we do like the Rat Pod, and we take <laughs> a like a metal raging against the machine song, and somebody does like an acoustic cover. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the opposite. Almost like somebody wrote a good pop song. And they did a grunge cover of it, <laughs> like it's. But it still works so well. Like, why is it so? How can this? So, how can something sound so gross but be so melodic and so catchy?
0: And That's then, Nirvana's charm or oh, Kurt's charm. It's
1: so irritating.
0: But it's fantastic. At the same
1: time. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's
0: unmatched. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I know. It's
1: like not even fair.
0: You see where I've been the last twenty years, Jeff? It's gross with Nirvana. You see where I've been.
1: I have have achieved nirvana You have While
0: listening to nirvana
1: (laughs) It's crazy
2: Yeah Uh, All right
0: Let's get into another one Let's get into another one
1: All right So that was my second favorite song My third favorite song is Dumb On this album
0: That's your favorite one? That's my third favorite My my third favorite favorite. Is is All Apologies All Apologies That's right That's right
1: All right Let's get into Dumb Dumb, Dumb's a banger Um, Like lyrically Just about being dumb And being happy And then he's kind of Questioning it It's the song is very basic. It doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything.
0: It doesn't need to. It's almost like lyrically, I think he's envious of the people who can just be blindly ignorant and just just watch TV just for the sake of watching TV and not getting anything from it. Like he, he he's truly truly envious of that of those people. But those are the same people that love Nirvana, or some of those people are the same people that love Nirvana so much. So he's conflicted. Like he doesn't want those kind of people to love him because then that that diminishes his message or what he how he feels. Like he's in the, this entire album is him being at conflict with his own self.
1: I think that it's kind of so also plays into the, the like the bipolar thing we were talking about. Because yeah, I, I do think that he feels that way, but that's why the whole self medication thing is coming in because he wants to feel that way. But he doesn't even know how to feel that way. Like He doesn't even know what that even fucking means. It's true. So, so all he knows is just feeling weird and like an outcast, mm-hmm. even from his early days and his childhood, to being like strung out. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't know how to feel. And I think he's trying to tell us, like, dude, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel, but I want to feel like this, but I can't do it. And I think that's why dumb is... is it's truly incredible because when when Nirvana's at their best, they're making songs like this, slow songs that are quiet, that are weird, that are very melodic, very very catchy, but also kind of like sad, like like self deprecating in a way. Yeah. Because we know Dave Girl's good. We know Dave Grohl can fucking crush it at the drums. We know that. But this song is, it's like vulnerable in a, in a in a weird way but Mm -hmm. damn, it's fucking good, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) Like the whole like repetition of, I think I'm dumb at the end of it. It's like, that's so self-deprecating. That's so.
0: It is. He's, he has so many, so many facets to his songwriting and to his lyrics. lyrics. Dude, the, the Nirvana is just so good, man. I'm glad that you're finally realizing it. I truly am glad you're finally realizing it because there's just, there's so much to, to break down. Like, we can break down almost everything on this. It's just it. We're just scratching the surface of Nirvana and this record itself. And for anybody to say that they're they're overrated is they're dumb, like well, straight up dumb. Nevermind is overrated. I'm saying, but I'm saying the band. I'm, the band is underrated. Like, the band is underrated. Or yeah, I'm still going with it. Nevermind is
1: overrated. Nirvana is underrated. Yes, exactly. Because when you say, like, do you like Nirvana? Like, yeah, I like Nirvana. Like, what's your, what's your, what's your favorite song? And I like Smell of Teen Spirit. I like Lithium. I like
2: Drain and Bloom.
1: It's like, okay, so you like fucking Nevermind, you cuck. Nobody says I like Sliver and Spank
0: You or Spank Through. Spank Through. Best song, their best song. Like, real
3: quick
1: on Spank Through, like, it was good.
2: That's a fucking great song. It did. It reminds me so much too. of,
1: like, The Who like the, you think so yeah like just like old because like the who i've always felt were kind of like the poppiest of like the old rockers and that it's, it's very like the who sound which is very cool like i liked it and it was very different than what i thought your favorite song by nirvana was gonna sound like
0: what did you think when i told you my like what, what did you think my favorite song was gonna be because now that you've listened to everything.
1: I thought your your favorite song part. would have been on this album. Like Serve the Servants, maybe Scented Apprentice, or even like, uh, actually to be fair, like like Milk, that, that one also. Milk It, yeah. And then like Very Ape. I thought Very Ape would, would have been like one of your favorites.
0: But then I went with like The Poppiest.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that's but he, like Sliver but too. But even Spank Through. Like, that's yeah, so Sliver is my second favorite. Like Sliver like, is not what you would think of Nirvana sounding like.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, like, that especially because so I good.
1: like it still doesn't sound like Kurt in the beginning of like the actual song "Sliver." It doesn't sound Mom like and Dad Kurt went yeah.
0: through the whole "Drop me off, I grab my nose. That, It sounds so fucking stupid. It's weird. Ah, I love that song.
1: I guess I don't. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess, I guess I it's the
0: you. songs where he he shows like his different vocal range or his different vocal styles, because Spank Through" is like a it's like you don't even know it's Kurt at the beginning either. But then it just it blows up into the, just him screaming. Oh my god, that song's great! And that song was like one of his early early recordings. They Nirvana never actually recorded it in a studio. They only ever played it live a lot, and but it came from his first band called Fecal Matter, and that included um, a couple of the guys from the Melvins and I forgot the other band. But this is this predated Nirvana. That song predates Nirvana, and but yet they would always play it, but they never properly recorded it. Which I always thought was interesting, but man, when I heard that song on the from the muddy banks of the Wishka off that live record, man, that just I was blown away by that song. And then Sliver, of course.
1: I also didn't know that Nirvana had such a like a like a deep tie in to the Melvins. Yeah, weird, right? Like that's how they met Dave Grohl, right? It was was the Melvins? I introduced. think it was through the Melvins, yeah. Like hey, here's your here's a drummer you guys should check out, and it was like love at first sight within like the first Which couple is, minutes.
0: Which is weird too, because Dave Grohl comes from Washington D.C., and that's just a distance-wise, that's just huge from it's still, Washington. It's still to a Washington,
1: though, right? Maybe
0: that's what they—that's
1: oh, true. <laughs> maybe he got confused and he went back to took <laughs> a bus to been. Washington.
0: It's <laughs> the wrong Washington. And fucking
1: forty-five hours later, he woke up and he was <laughs> saying, "All right, cool."
0: Very true. That could
1: have been. Can it. we also acknowledge how ugly Dave Grohl used to be in
0: Nirvana? I mean, he's still not a, a good looking man.
2: No, but ugly. at
1: least now he's come into him and he's got the beard going, but without yeah, like yeah. a beard or anything, he's ugly. Yeah, he's an ugly man.
0: <laughs> he is not like attractive in any capacity. Kurt was attractive. Like out of the three, Kurt was the only attractive one.
1: Yeah, like like the whole, I don't know, that whole like emo kid style look that he had. It was fine. Yeah. Chris was like this weird giant compared to the two of them. He's
2: fucking huge. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's enormous.
1: Fucking awkward fucking weird giant.
0: And you ever notice how low he plays his bass? Oh, it's like yeah. down to his fucking knees.
1: Like the Tim fucking Armstrong of bass players.
0: Like it, like if we were to wear his bass, we it would be yeah, on the, the floor.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> insane.
0: Do you know how tall he actually is? I think he's like six five or six six. Let me look it up real quick.
1: I'd be six six and he's like a couple inches shorter than Kobe.
0: I mean he looks just enormous.
1: Well, I'm sure Cobain and Girl are
0: probably like five Ten, five, eight, five, nine. Chris Chris Novoselic is six seven. Jesus, I think that's how tall Kobe is. Was let's see, Kobe Bryant spell height wrong. Six six. Chris Novoselic was taller than Kobe Bryant. Damn, or is taller than Kobe Bryant? That's crazy. Chris
1: is an inch taller than the greatest basketball player of all time. That's insane (laughs) to me.
0: Let's see. Let's see Michael Jordan's height.
1: The second greatest
0: basketball player of all time. Jordan is six six lebron james height six it's lebron nine. james
1: is six six oh, okay i was gonna say so he's six
0: nine but lebron james is also a forward so he's meant to be taller than kobe and True. jordan so it's hard to compare those different positions
1: i mean fucking basketball
0: <laughs> all right anyway back to dude i miss i miss sports i miss basketball i miss soccer so much
1: they watch the golf tournament
0: tomorrow uh, just watch it. Just
1: fucking watch it. Who cares?
0: It'll just make me mad because I'll see people wearing face masks, and I'll be, be mad. There's, I'll just be more upset with anything. Dude, there's more than so anything.
1: many different bets that are going on with like FanDuel and Vegas. Like, there's so many stupid bets. Oh, also, if anybody hits a hole in one uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow in the golf tournament, Michelob Ultra is going to buy a six pack for everybody in America. Ooh, I really hope <laughs> there's a hole in one. Over 21, of course. But yeah, they're going to oh, buy a yeah. six pack for everybody in America. Wow. Crazy.
0: Oh, how stupid this world is.
1: It's so stupid.
0: All right. It's dumb. Let's get back into this. Are, are we good with dumb or are we get, you want to get into something else? Or do you want to stay on that? What do you no, want?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm good with dumb. I don't want to play go it. With dumb?
0: Everybody knows dumb. Do we, wait, you want me to play or you don't I, want me to play I
1: don't want to play it.
0: Okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, so what else do you want to get into?
1: I also like scented apprentice a lot and Scentless. I, I, apprentice. Scentless, I know I Scentless Apprentice. Scented, Scent Scentless, dude, You're why having is it so hard time. fucking hard?
0: You had a hard time with incesticide as well. I
1: still can't say Insecticide. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is so irritating. Oh that's that's great.
1: I guess that's that's also kind of fun that Nirvana likes to use long phrases sometimes in their in their in their song titles. Mm-hmm. Something that Fallout Boy clearly took from and ran oh, with God. it. But that's kind of cool though, one. right? Like if follow, I don't know too much about Fall Out Boy, but if Fallout Boy took that from Nirvana, would you like them a little bit more?
0: No. Because the songs don't... Aren't, aren't that great. But the fact
1: that they love Nirvana that much to name all of their... So? Come on, Tyler.
0: I don't care. Not it, even a little bit? No. I like Dance Dance. That's a great song. But outside of that... It's, you know, there's not a lot there.
1: But like, but like, but like. if you saw Pete Wentz at a bar right now, you have nothing to say to him. Like, you wouldn't even, I wouldn't even introduce myself. I wouldn't take a picture. I wouldn't say hi, because I have no fucking, I don't care.
0: But, I'd say, oh, hey, I like your bass line and dance dance. You would never That's say part that. Of the song. I know
1: for a fact you would never say that. Why? There's no, are you kidding me? <laughs> First of all, there's no way you would ever walk up to somebody that you don't respect as a musician and say I like this one thing you did in one song. You just you're not a dick like that. This, you know you wouldn't do that. That's true. I'm not I'd, that big. Of I a I know dick. you wouldn't do that. But
2: yeah. I'm not you. But, but, but
1: if you yeah. knew that Pete Wentz had this 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 obsession with Nirvana, you'd be more likely to approach him and talk about that.
2: Yeah. Maybe, Thus,
1: I think you respect Fall Out Boy a little bit more. Now I'm just speculating, but this I, is so. Stupid. I feel like you would respect Fall Out Boy a little bit more if you knew that they respected Nirvana and they love Nirvana
0: no because their music doesn't to me it doesn't it doesn't factor into their actual songwriting so no i think you're lying i'm not but okay i'm like you can, i'm like robert can, de niro you can speculate and, more i'm like robert you,
1: de niro and meet the parents i'm a human lie detector
0: you're just you're just full of speculations the, ah. the last three minute conversation has been full of speculation
1: i miss sports what what can i say i i, I love speculating i love i love odds <laughs> that's what we're doing here
0: Oh, this is so dumb. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's do let's do sentless Very... Sentless Apprentice.
1: Let's do... What? Okay, yeah, Sentless... Sent, no, no, no. What were you going to say? What were you going to say? I, I was going to say Very 8, but we can do Sentless Scented... Uh, Dude. Let's do the second song on the album because that's... Uh, sentless
0: Apprentice.
1: That's another really raw, gritty opening. Um, it's fantastic. The drums themselves here are heavy, but they're basic, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're not what we know Dave Grohl to do. They're not show off They're not complex, they're not crazy, they're pretty basic,
0: but then I want you to go get on your jump set and play it
1: true, 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 <laughs> but I'm more likely to be able to play this than I would just like the even the intro just smells like teen spirit.
0: no it smells like teen spirit's way easier than this that intro though yeah, no, yeah, there's no way get
1: him, get him, get him three it's a three part it's a three part yeah
0: there's no but way But try to it. play this there's like, no way you can do play that
1: get him get him.
0: Yeah, try to play that with your foot, with your right foot. This,
1: Scentless sent, Apprentice is more... No, was, I guarantee easier, you'd it, have more it, time it, with this. I'll, I'll bet, I'll fucking bet you. We're not even the same, I so, like, clearly you're just gonna practice it, but... <laughs>
0: yeah. I guarantee you'd have more problem playing the intro to this than the intro to Teen Spirit.
2: No. Yeah, you would. I
0: disagree. No, you're crazy, get the fuck out of here. I get disagree. Get the fuck out of here. I... I no, Let's play the beginning because everybody's heard the the beginning to Teen Spirit. Let let's play the beginning of uh, Sentless Apprentice because you're you're nuts.
2: Yeah, come on, dude.
1: No way. <laughs> no, I'm, okay, I okay. Mean, if you have it queued up, just play the intro. Ugh.
0: What a spirit. Yeah. Dude, that guitar riff with the chicka chickas—you're gonna fall in love right now. I'm not, that's that's you hilarious. are, you are. Here we go. Come on, Soundless Apprentice is way more.
1: Man, I, I wish that guitar intro just wasn't there. I would listen to that song more if it wasn't there. I just feel so embarrassed.
0: I feel so <laughs> Why? It's stupid. such a good riff. It's such a good riff. Uh, no, but okay.
1: So he's got the bass, the 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 snare, and the hi hat, and the, in in on that. And it's there's a specific yeah. name for what he does there. Like there's a good, there's a drum term for what he's doing there. But in *Stuntless Apprentice*, okay. that's easier. Nah, Not dude, to say I'm, that it's easy. I disagree just, with you. They're, they're both very difficult, and they're both very nuanced, and they're both very. <laughs> technically advanced they're not even technically easy. Advanced. it is dude the one the intro to the to smell like teen spirit that there's no way you can play that i fucking there's no way come on dude i'm gonna learn that song on the guitar in five seconds and then when next time you come over i'm gonna make you play it
0: and okay it i'll play like, it
1: if it doesn't sound like dave Grohl, then
0: i'll play all the i'll play all of, i could probably get by playing most of nevermind the on way drums. Girl plays it,
1: or just you're, yeah. you're just, you're no, just on drums. farting around? I,
0: in Bloom in bloom is one of my favorite songs to play on the drums. I love In Bloom.
1: Either you're much better than I think you are at playing the drums, or you think you're much better than you are at playing the drums.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I I can definitely play it. <laughs> I can play In Bloom.
1: Yeah. You're, oh, God, I hate you so much.
0: I can play In Bloom. You
1: should get run over by a fucking train again
0: i've i've been like three times already that's fine just check my text
1: as i talk right now
2: i did i saw that that's, that's gross disgusting.
1: huh
0: yeah that's
1: gross <laughs> that's so nasty
0: oh that's really gross
1: um scentless apprentice senate apprentice um kurt's kurt's chorus in this one it's uh it's very it's very unapproachable it's very irritating it's, it's off-putting, but it's a very cool, like, fuck you to everyone that liked Nevermind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I f- agree. I feel like had I picked up in utero after listening to Nevermind, I would have been upset, like, as a child. I'd be <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And I think that's what Sentless Apprentice is, is, is trying to show me, is, is you think you know what you want, but you're just a chode. So I agree with
0: you. I agree with you on that. I feel like "Sendless Apprentice" should have been the opener, not "Serve the Servants." It would have been a more effective opener. That's that's how I feel about it.
1: I, I would I would tend to agree, except I really I really really like that that chord on on "Serve the Servants."
2: That I know you do. But I can't still.
1: Like sometimes, still like funny. only one chord, one note, mm-hmm. one of those things will do it for you. And again, I bring it back to, to to Weezer's blue album. The end, the end of the end of the album is that just weird one note that Matt Sharp does on the bass. That is just so just so, so different. It's just, oh, it really it's brings so it together. Weird. Love it. It's the little things. It's all the small yeah. things, as as your boy would say.
0: Oh, <laughs> dude, I love Tom DeLonge. Two <laughs> <laughs> things better: Tom DeLong or Kurt Cobain.
1: I don't. Don't ask me that. That's, I ask that. <laughs>
0: You know, a week ago you would have said Tom DeLay. That's true. A that
1: is true. That is true. That is true.
3: So, dumb.
0: Uh, but it, yeah, scentless apprentice. It was also he. This was inspired by uh, a book. A book called Perfume by Patrick Suskind. Um And I, I looked up the book a little bit. I obviously didn't read it, but it seems a, like a very, very weird and interesting, interesting book for sure but that's what inspired this and inspired a great song man
1: I like that whenever you say obviously I didn't read it people Why? don't people don't assume just cuz you're an idiot you just didn't have the time but if <laughs> I were to say obviously I didn't read it it's because I don't I don't read books <laughs> <laughs> I read a, I've read I I don't I don't think I've read a book through and through since I was in school since like college
0: Dude, you're crazy there's no way
1: I honestly I don't I I, I read the paper Three times a week, but I don't. I just, I just
0: don't read books. I never read a book. That's crazy to me. It's so crazy.
1: Yeah. So I, I I think it's funny that the same phrase you say to I say means so many different things to it so does. many people. Much like when Kurt saying something, it means so many different things to different people. Much like when Alice says words are like bullets. Yeah. <laughs> like the Alice one, that actually is just something else but as I was saying I couldn't remember what it was so I just said where it was like bullets
2: <laughs> oh
0: my god should we ra- do you want to talk about another song or do you want to wrap it up fuck what was that I don't
1: know door slamming
0: somewhere what do you, you want to do what do you want to talk about I, dude it's, we've it's, gotten it's, almost into every song Actually, now I'm looking through the list we've gotten into almost everything
1: well, I mean, you're looking at the list, but clearly you're you're not looking at the the master list because we haven't talked about Heart Shaped Box, we haven't talked about Rape Me, we haven't talked about Very Ape, we haven't talked about your favorite Penny Royalty, or Tourette's.
0: Well, Tourette's we can we can quickly go over because that song is that's a banger, not decipherable. No, it is. I love that's, the song.
1: That's their punk song,
0: and they true they and even on the booklet they purposely omitted the lyrics. They there are no lyrics to it, but people have tried to. Have made up their own lyrics, but they, Kurt never put anything out properly.
1: I think like that's the point of this song is 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 we're focused on the lyrics or the words being being meaningful, whereas his vocals are just an instrument. Yeah, and I think I think when you get a good when you get a good songwriter or vocalist, there are two kind of separate things. Like lyrics are one thing. But the way he sings those lyrics, or she sings those lyrics, those could also be considered another instrument. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why this is so inaudible, is because this is their punk song. They're going back to Bleach. They're having a good time. They're just having fun. They're just chilling. They don't want you to worry about the lyrics. They want you to just remember that they're a band that can have fun.
0: You're absolutely right. I agree with you 100% on that one, with Tourette's. Oh. oh you heard that one? I
3: did.
1: That was a banger. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, just going back up real quick, Rate Me. I, I like that they kind of reused the Smell Like Teen Spirit rivage. Come on. like,
0: that's, Yeah, it sounds almost identical.
1: Come on. So, but it was almost like Kurt hated what happened with Smell Like Teen Spirit, but he mm-hmm. liked the song. Because if you, even though I hate that song, I, it makes me embarrassed to listen to it. It's, it's a good song.
2: <laughs> it is a good it song. It is a good it's song. fantastic.
1: But I feel like Kurt hated what happened to that song. And even, like, the story behind the title of Smell Like Teen Spirit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't know if, if you read about it. I'm sure you probably know. But at some point in Kurt's early life, he he was infatuated with some uh, feminist person in the, the grunge scene. And he liked her way more than she liked him, probably with the same thing with Courtney Love. And she used to wear – she or he used to wear deodorant that was called Teen Spirit. Like, that was the name of the brand of deodorant, like Speed Stick. It was Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. And somebody had it graffitied somewhere or wrote as a joke, like, Kurt smells like teen spirit. But Kurt didn't know that that's what the smell was. It was called teen spirit. He, he saw that as this is a profound thing. And it's just to think that Kurt didn't even know where that came from or why that was just so basic
0: but took it's it like a throwaway thing
1: it was it was a throwaway thing but he he saw something in that to take it and to make it into arguably one of the most well-known songs of all fucking time yeah it's, the riff. it's at least. unfair it is unfair truly it is but rate me that yeah they they, they, they kurt re- realized that the song was still good but that the riff kind of got thrown away because Everybody exploited that song into something that it meant nothing. So Rape Me, like that was just a straight up I don't want people to look too deep into the lyrics, so I'm gonna name the title of the song Rape Me. And then the but fact, it was also And like, then the fact that like Walmart and all these other places changed the <laughs> title, but they weren't mad about it because Kurt and like Dave Grohl had said when they were kids, the only place to buy a lot of CDs was like through Kmart and all mm-hmm. these other places. So stores. they weren't mad. That they changed the name "rape me" to like "waif me" or the waif fuck me, "waif yeah. me"? Is that a word, waif?
0: Yeah, waif. Is, I think it's like um like a servant, isn't it? Waif? I have no idea. Waif. I, I think it's a servant. It
1: didn't. But like they, they weren't even mad at that. As long as the kids could get their music, because the lyrics weren't changed, it wasn't censored. No, they didn't change the words at all. It was just the title of the song on the back of the album. So stupid. <laughs> it's very stupid, but that's that's solid. But like when he yells like "rape me." But mm-hmm. like you can really feel that desperation, that, like, I don't know, that, that sadness in his voice. It's it's so earnest.
0: Yeah, and it, lyrically, I think it, it can be taken both ways. It's him talking about being raped by the music industry, like, taking what he, what, he, just, like, exploiting everything he wanted or what he was trying to express. And then also, he's talked about whether or not you believe it. It's taken from the perspective of somebody being raped in that moment and them talking about saying, just get it over with because what's going to happen to you in the end is going to be far worse than what you're doing to me. You're going to get what's coming to you. And apparently a lot of people like feminists hated this. And like, he got a lot of, a lot of hate from the feminist community about this song because of that.
1: Which is so weird. Cause he he was so he involved was, in like movement like he like he performed or nirvana performed at benefit concerts for yeah. like rape victims, and he was so outspoken about so many things that you would not expect a male white person in the nineties to be outspoken about exactly and it's it's so bizarre, and like his first love i can't remember her fucking name, but it was some girl I can
0: not remember right that
1: now, he either. clearly liked her way more than she liked him, and he mm-hmm. was like infatuated with her, and he like everything about her he loved but it just it didn't work out for whatever reason, but I feel like that's that tran. I know. I think it didn't work out because he was searching for a mother figure in a relationship, like mm-hmm. a typical husband wife dynamic, because he didn't get that growing up with his disjointed family, and I think she saw that as sexist. And so he, that, he he missed out on that. Which yeah, it's, it's. I mean it's it's fucked up to just dismiss that based off of a preconceived notion of sexism or whatever it is. Yeah. But, like, dude, that is that is fucked up. But then he goes to Courtney Love, and, I mean, the more I read about Courtney Love, the more I've always... I've never liked... Nobody likes Courtney Love. Courtney Love doesn't like Courtney Love. Yeah. Nobody fucking likes Courtney Love.
0: Her own daughter I, didn't like her for many years.
1: God, the more I read about her, the more just I feel like she's all smoke and mirrors, man. She is so fake, and just everything about her is just... It's all done to make money. It's all done. Uh, all the benefits she does, all the, all the philanthropy yeah. she does, I feel is all a front because she's hiding her ugly, her ugly self.
0: Yeah. Even like in later years, you know, thinking like, you know, I've, I've given her an unfair, an unfair shot and going back and reading more about her and watching the interviews and seeing stuff with her and Kurt. I'm just like, dude, she just seems gross. Like she doesn't, she doesn't seem authentic whatsoever. She, it just, I, there's nothing about Courtney Love I like. I mean, she was okay. in um, in man on the moon, she's okay in that movie, but, Outside of that, man, I just don't, I don't, there's nothing about her I like. Her character, nothing. I just don't like her.
1: Yeah, I agree. Not one bit. Not one bit.
0: Not one bit.
2: Okay, what else we got here?
1: Um, Just Heart Box and Very Ape. I mean, Very Ape, is real quick. Dave's beat's solid. It's, oh, it's so good. It's kind of like the first time I've even thought about Dave so far in this album was Very Ape.
0: Kurt takes the front center, yeah. Sure. yeah, because
1: it's because he's so good that when Very Ape comes in, like he's, he's throwing that that beat in there. I remember, like, holy shit, this is the guy that did Nevermind. I, I, like like Dave Grohl is the best part about Nevermind for me, and and that was the first time I thought about him was Very Ape. The song's like super short and it goes by really fast, and mm-hmm. verses have this really cool melody that set up the noisy, abrasive, perfect chorus. That's
0: a lot of feedback on this one like unnecessary feedback, but I love it. I love it so much. And it's just a simple beat. It's very Chicka (laughs) Chicka. It's a very Chicka Chicka song.
1: God, Nirvana's like that band that you start when you're, I don't know, when you're first starting a band before you realize that we're going nowhere, let's play music that people will like. Nirvana just never, never got to that point. Yeah. And they just got taken advantage with Nevermind. And so that's why it sounds like that
2: yep
0: ah it's so good and then you know the basicness of very ape lyrically it's kind of talking about them kind of just talking about people think they're smarter than they actually actually are and it's just like a very stripped down song lyrically and it's them just kind of being it's kind of being vulnerable saying like He's calling out those people, but then also admitting that he's also one of those people thinking he's smarter than everybody else, when in actuality he's not. Like, we know nothing about anything, but we all pretend that we know everything. It's just, ah, oh, dude, it, he's fucking deep as hell, man. Yeah. He really is. I he think really is.
1: I think he's unknowingly deep. I don't think he realized that he was as deep as he probably was, because he had this constant, like, inner turmoil of this, this identity crisis. As well yeah. as as just being self-deprecating, I don't think he ever realized how deep he actually
0: was. I think you're right. I think you're right. But it it was his true honesty that shone through the how how complex he actually was musically and lyrically. Uh, he never intended to write this this well, but he fantastic stuff. Uh, heart shape. Wait, heart box. You want to get into too?
1: Just, I mean, this—that's the last song we haven't talked about. But like that—that that one's getting back to the Nevermind style, very, yeah, straightforward, basic, kind of poppy almost. The structure is really cool. It, it, this song also shows kind of a little bit of everything Nirvana's ever done,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but in a good way. The chorus is abrasive; it's gritty, while the verses are like melodic and soft. They do that very well. That squirrely bassline though, in the
0: chorus—that's—that's mm-hmm. that's fun stuff. It is. It, unfortunately, it's the only song on this record that I would, that I ever actually skip. If I do skip it, this is the one I do. Well, you listen it's, to more
1: radio than I do, so I would, I would imagine you skip it because.
0: What's that? And you know, it's just being with Nirvana for so long. It's just like you always hear this song. I hear this song almost as much as I hear Teen Spirit. Actually, I probably hear this song more than I hear Teen Spirit. How is that possible? Because it like as much as I have listened to the radio and especially more recent years with work, they tend to play this song, uh, Lithium and Come As You Are, more than anything else. Because I feel like even the radio's sick of Teen Spirit and In Bloom, that they play those these other hits more than those. It's weird. It's really weird. So I feel like I've heard, I've definitely, I actually, I know I've definitely heard Heart Shaped Box on the radio more than I have Teen Spirit. Yeah, It's crazy.
1: I mean... But. You're spirit lucky. Gone. I mean, you should feel lucky that you don't want to listen to teen spirit that teen much.
0: It's so good though. Oh, it's so good. So, so good. But <laughs> heart Shaded box is great too. I, I, I have nothing bad to say about it. It's just, it gets played a lot, but I, you know, it, lyrically too, a lot of people say, Oh, it's not about corny love and this and that and their relationship, but it's a hundred percent about it. The dude was not truly happy with corny love. I just, it, it truly talks about a toxic relationship and, he references her on so many occasions. And but do you feel like... like the video, he, too. The video, too. Like, it, it, it directly relates to the song, and it kind of shows his toxic, toxic relationship with her in the video, but then saying the only saving grace from him not wanting to die is Francis, is his child. And that's directly referenced in the video. You know, it's just... Ah, oh, man. <laughs> it's tough.
1: I, I, I still contend that he, like... He was, he was into her exponentially more than she was into him if she was ever into him
0: yeah but even then it was but to acknowledge to to acknowledge like
1: i don't know a toxic relationship is one thing but to continue to do it based off of whatever factor you you feel in your mind is 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 worth pursuing it is is another thing and i feel like but that's courtney love was just i don't think she was ever into him I don't think true. Ever truly but him, cared about but him
0: her. staying with her was also can be contributed to or attributed to his mental illness. Well, I mean, That's for
1: like the same purpose, like Sid and Nancy were always together. Oh, I God. mean, they just
0: don't even compare the two. Don't even compare Kurt to Sid Vicious. That's just disrespectful. Uh, okay, t- take it or take
1: it leave it. But Sid and Nancy, I mean, they were inseparable. Like they, they were made for each other. Like that. that, that's what it was. Yeah, Yeah,
0: they they were, but that 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 dynamic and that relationship was way toxic. Relationship too. It was, but it was very different because they 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 seemed to actually like need one another. Like Kurt and Courtney did not seem like they needed one another. It seemed like one was was feeding off the other more more than anything.
1: I feel like Kurt felt like he needed Courtney, but Courtly Courtly Courtney just just wanted to exploit Kurt. Hundred percent, and in doing so, feed him drugs, feed him lies, feed him whatever the fuck he wants to hear, or whatever be he shitty needs to, to him. hear. Just but like sh- uh, shitty to him. I mean, that's—I don't know, man. That's that's very that's very like anti-normal too. Usually, it's the man doing that to a woman, yeah. But the fact that it was a woman doing it to the man, I think, like I think, kind of holds all of Nirvana's song a little bit higher.
2: Yeah, I guess so, yeah.
1: I don't know, he was just really good. He was he was, he was a cool dude.
2: Yeah,
1: poor
0: Kurt.
2: I would, say, at the
1: I would have said, what's 27. up, to him in a bar?
0: <laughs> Imagine how different it would be if he was still alive. Like, what would have happened? Like, truly, what would have happened with Nirvana? Because it was always talked about that Nirvana was at the end of the road. I, like, Kurt yeah. was going to disband it. I feel like, for sure,
1: like, after In Utero, they probably would have taken no less than, like, a 10-year break.
0: Yeah, easily easily and then eventually Kurt would have come back or they would have reunited with Dave and Chris and Pat as well
1: because Dave Grohl's is too cool like you can't
0: but see would, would we have the Foo Fighters had Nirvana or would we have Dave Grohl as we know him today without the demise of Kurt we don't know it's hard to say it's hard to say very hard to say because he wanted he wanted
1: Chris to join him in Foo Fighters right he, but he did but, but Chris declined. was like no nah, because that, everyone's gonna call us the Nirvana 2 yeah Nirvana cool,
0: even, even Pat Smear declined at first, and then he he joined the Foo Fighters for several years and then left the band and then came back. so even Pat Smear had like a weird relationship with Foo Fighters post Nirvana.
1: It's probably super hard too, like for these guys that that I don't know there was they were so close as friends, and I know chris and and Kurt went to high school, and Dave Grohl was way later, but I don't know that three or four or five years that they were together but even up.
0: but even way later when you say way later he joined 3 years later <laughs> so that's like true. in in the end like if you but look at the, already the, the like time already had like span a follow, the they
1: already had bleach he already had a, like a decent following of people they were already signed to a record label
0: yeah but mind you think about the longevity of the band they they were only together for 7 years yeah 7 that's so short yeah, they came like, out with 3 records in 7 years on top of everything else that they put out like on the side like he, demo and B sides but
1: but even saying a band was together for seven years, we're talking a couple years at least, is getting their shit together, and yeah. their first album, right? And then the really the band that we know of, Nirvana, was only what three or four years, Mm-hmm. like that's it. That's yeah, that's, that's it. Not a 91,
0: lot. 91 to ninety four, from Nevermind until, like, truly their 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 true success was between ninety one and ninety four. It's
1: also sad to think that Kurt sat in is in that room for. Three days before somebody found him, yeah. Supposedly. Oh God, that's all I got. So many can be I don't said, know. So many well, things can be said about. Yeah. That. Without getting into the conspiracy of of Kurt's Kurt Cobain's death. death.
0: Yeah. All right. So, what are your final thoughts on this? And uh, we'll we'll give our rating.
1: My my final thoughts are, uh, all the bonus songs too. I they're they're they were fine. Yeah what did you me- think of Marigold? Marigold That was the only one That I kind of wanted To even touch upon at all Because that was Written and sung by Grill Right? Yeah. yeah It was so, It was
0: before Nirvana It was pre-Nirvana That one That
1: one was the only one that I thought was kind of cool But It was um, it, did de- it did not fit in this album Whatsoever No It had no No business being here But that was probably The best out of all of them
0: Yeah easily Marigold was the- Sappy was good too Yeah But Yeah But Marigold was the best Yeah
1: definitely um
0: yeah given all
1: that i again never mind has always been my my excuse for nirvana why i never wanted to get into them i mean you can't deny that it's it's from the outside looking in if if somebody said hey listen to smells like teen spirit this is nirvana like mm-hmm. th- it's a joke it's a fucking joke it's it's gross it's
0: you can't do that to somebody <laughs>
1: But that's what that, that's what media did to me for the past <laughs> fifteen years. I, I, I that's what they did to me, and so that's that's why I never got into Nirvana that much. Was because of Nevermind. Was because it smells like Teen Spirit. Um, in later years, I've appreciated Teen Spirit more for a, for a pretty fantastic fucking pop album. It's it's fantastic. It's really good. But in utero, else? in utero is just it's. I don't know, man. It's it's something else. It is, it is truly something else. It's something truly special. And Kurt Cobain's lyrics, although dumb, although basic, although silly, I don't know, man. They mean something. But they're not. <laughs> that's, I, I that's know. The, <laughs> but that's even the greatness then, of it. <laughs> like that's, that that could even be contributed to like Kurt even being so so disconnected from himself that even though he wants to believe his lyrics are meaningless and his lyrics are secondary and he constantly changed his lyrics he constantly changed in live performances he would constantly yeah, read. oh yeah he would sing the wrong lyrics and they just changed it up because you see he, it in his
0: journals too because he I felt mean, lyrics
1: were theory. secondary but yeah. i mean that's maybe that's even part of like his long con or his charm is that he was so he disconnected from con. himself that he didn't even realize how much he meant how much he meant to people how much
0: he meant to music how much he meant to you.
1: Yeah, oddly enough, how much he <laughs> even fucking meant to me. Weird. But um, I don't... Uh, my, my final rating is, is based off of something that I don't even do that much because there are two songs on here that are not perfect. They're not perfect songs.
0: Oh my God, it's happening.
1: So, so to even give this album a perfect score would, would, would to be silly and, and to go against everything I, I believe in. <laughs> For, for the ratings but this this album is perfect this
0: album is a three <laughs> out of three every day of the week this album is a oh, perfect album it happened it this happened a
1: three out of three
0: wow if you don't know three is a perfect rating two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to one's a bad album but give it a shot zero is a bad straight up bad don't even bother but for you to give this a perfect
2: is
1: just there, there's maybe a handful of albums that i give them perfect ratings to.
0: There's always something I don't like about it, and
1: therefore, you gave,
0: yeah, it's just like you gave Pinkerton a perfect rating. I, I think mean, Zeppelin two
1: I gave perfect rating. You gave a
0: perfect rating. Yeah, you gave Korn's debut record. Okay, a perfect now we're now we're just getting silly. Now we're just
1: now we're just getting <laughs> silly here. Now we're making <laughs> jokes.
0: But no, seriously, it, it's crazy that you gave this. You think it's that that you think this is that good? Shocked. I, I don't. Really
1: I don't think that. I think it's better. <laughs> I do. I, I think I think this better is better than perfect. And like the album art we didn't get into, but like I
0: you can even ugly. connect that to his whole like psyche it. and everything too.
1: I don't like the album art. I don't I, I think it's I think it's the worst out of all of their stuff. I don't but like it's it.
0: iconic. It's iconic.
1: It's just I don't know, man. Like they, they, it's just like the earnestness of this album and, and everything we've talked about for the past two hours. <laughs> I think gives yeah. this. Uh, I think makes this not only like a perfect album, but this this is sneaking into like my top of all time.
2: Oh my god! Yeah,
1: that's shocking. Like I have I got, I, I have like a top three to five that is pretty consistent for like my entire life,
0: and wow. this is this
1: is flirting in sneaking there too. up there. This is
0: wow! You're evolving. Who would have thought? It's weird. A man it's in his thirties evolving. Bizarre. Never thought I'd see this day. Never thought. All right. Well, I've been i I've, I've loved Nirvana for twenty years. I mean they're they're one of the bands that got me into music Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl truly truly inspired my entire musical taste growing up and to this day especially Dave Grohl um to this day I just there's nothing wrong with Nirvana in my eyes they've done everything right Kurt was truly arguably one of the greatest songwriters of all time um I love everything that they put out I've in utero was the last thing i heard from this band but i still love it to this day it is my favorite record of theirs um and i'm gonna have to give this one a perfect a perfect rating damn it just everything is there's nothing wrong with this record absolutely nothing wrong with this record i love everything that they've done i just we've talked about all the posies about this band i i have nothing more to say it's a perfect perfect album so that's it man i through Shockier. and through, a perfect album. I can't believe I'm four and four for four right now. Out of what was your fourth you? one, Corn? Well, I mean, it was Misfits. Uh, it was Metallica. It was Corn. Uh, it's uh, and now it's Nirvana. So I've, I'm four for four converting you. It's happened. It's finally uh, happened. It's shocking.
1: Nirvana is the only one of those four that I like almost all of their stuff though.
0: That's true. That's very true. Because Misfits are. Are dead after Danzig Metallica and
1: Metallica Both trailed off hard After a certain yeah, but, point But, but Metallica, Metallica Came back with St. Anger They came yeah. back with St. Inger no, the Redeemed themselves I'm like, I'm like the only person ever To think that St. Inger Is not that bad
0: You're not the first But you're of a very small group yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not
1: I'm just saying It's not that bad
0: <laughs> Corrin have been Fairly consistent Almost entirely consistent Throughout their career um, Yeah And then Nirvana great just absolutely great yes right
1: better than great ah
0: they're amazing all right well that's it that's all for asinine radio for this week this has been a long one this has been a great one thank you all for sticking through it uh go to itunes go rate review and subscribe to us on there follow us on social media at asinine radio now jeff that's it that's all Wow, that's a good song. Dumb. The drums are super catchy. Yeah, but you fucking sing it. You're singing it. You I, it. I heard it on K Rock, and then I realized, wow, this is probably the greatest song I've ever written. Better than Got the Life, which I, of course, was wrong. Um, and, and that thought sorry.
1: alone, like, kept me away from Nirvana for decades.
0: Is <laughs> <laughs> just you're just fucking. Re- re-stupid you're re-stupid <laughs> like that's a new word i'm coming up with you're re-stupid
1: i like that that's good i like re-stupid you're re-stupid, you re-stupid. your truck got fucking run over are your like, fuck your ears <laughs> got run over by a truck